0: Friday, December 23rd, 2022, and this is The People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast.
1: Smokey, this is not nom. This is bowling. There are rules. Today,
2: Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by.
0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you as always by Man Rubs, Rubs barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all around barbecue related gear for you to make barbecue great again. Can be found at ManRubs.com and on Instagram ManRubs. Use the code Steak fifteen for fifteen percent off your order. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. There at StayReadyGear.com and on Instagram StayReadyGearUSA. Holsters, custom Kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear, hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code Steak for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready.
3: The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow Family are delivering, just like Santa, big time Christmas savings. Right now, go over to MyPillow. You had a promo code Steak. You're gonna give the gifts of comfort, rest, and relaxation with my pillows, my slippers, my dog beds. Like a dream Everything. Mike Lindell has extended his holiday sale. Up to 80% off.
4: Damn!
3: More of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. 25% off when you enter promo code STAKE here. 50% off when you become a monthly subscriber. MyPillow.com forward slash STAKE for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash STAKE. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1 800 658 8045. The top tier of ear gear. And the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can only be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, he's probably just nosing through the trash, Clark. Get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find him on Facebook and Instagram as well. Our good friend Alan has launched the Patriot Cigar Company, picked from the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. Age three years, hand-rolled. Noah Radom. 10 out of 10. Stuff your stockings here. Enter promo code STEAK. 25% off. Big time holiday savings. Any order over 100 bucks, free shipping. $10 e-gift card included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL if you're into the Trazies and don't live in Canada. He's also got a five-star rating. His newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Stay for breakfast packs, the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off-duty, they're probably wearing gear from mediocre medics. Sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the beat. Plus, they've got a pretty fire IG. Mediogrammedic.com is the website there. And last but certainly not least, get one for your stocking. Zero fucks, duck. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. The website's dumpbox.us. Find them on Instagram. Find them on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram. and Take the Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link. tree that will take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to everyone joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app from the Republican High Command, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social, welcome Friday edition, Christmas edition, Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 198. I'm Roan, just me and Noah. He's here today, too. Yo. Thanks for jumping in, guys. We've got Christmas treats, stocking stuffers, filling up underneath the tree, and all the news before we get into any of that, let's jump right into it.
5: T'was the week before Christmas, and through the Senate and House, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The earmarks were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The Senators were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of pork danced in their heads. No budget was found, just mischief and debt, while the taxpayers hung their poor heads and wept. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, senators sprang from their oxygen. What was the matter? Away to the window they flew like a flash, tore open the shutters when they heard the word cash. The moon on the breasts of the new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes should appear, but a 4,000 page omni with endless debt year after year. With a little old driver, so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now McConnell, now Schumer, now Pelosi and Vixen. On Biden, on stupid, on dumber and blitzen. To debt to bankruptcy, to free money for all. Now dash away, dash away, more cash for all. And then in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As the economy threatened to run aground, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of earmarks he had flung on his back, an appropriator's dream opening his pack. His eyes how they twinkled, his dimples how merry, his cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. This spending season, instead of naughty and nice, Santa brought everyone something, regardless of price. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head, he said not to worry. There's always the Fed. He spoke not a word and went straight to his work. Undeterred by the debt, he turned with a jerk. For naughty Pentagon that lost billions last year, a fat stocking with extra cash and cheer. And don't forget a delicious candy cane, sweet with $40 billion to tide over Ukraine. Because of the climate, it's not PC to leave coal. No one seems to care because we're trillions in the hole. Don't worry about leaving the budget a mess. Democrats have given you 87,000 agents of the IRS. So Saint Nick laid his finger aside his nose and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, his economist agog, numbing the pain with a cup of eggnog. Up and away through the, through the countries in tatters, free stuff for all, sky-high prices don't matter. His last words as the wind lifted his sleigh, if people lack money, just print, it's okay. But I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, happy bankruptcy to all, and to all a good night.
3: Welcome to Steak for Breakfast. This is our uh, Christmas edition of the show, last show before the Christmas holiday, and that was Senator Rand Paul and his rendition of the (laughs) night before bankruptcy, apparently. You know, there's a lot of reasons to laugh about some of the things he said, but equal parts are... Uh you know, to be sad about. And, uh, we want to thank everybody for jumping in here with us today. I, I think the, the Senator does a good job of getting the message out there in the most sarcastic way possible. He always does like his little thing on the floor of the Senate where he points out everything that's, uh, extremely wasteful and spending like his top 10 Christmas list of, or Krampus list, whatever he calls it. And, and, and did a video rendition this year, which, uh, You know, I thought it's a good way for for some of the people who just don't like listening to them talk uh, to get it, you know, the message out there about the omnibus bill, which uh, now sits in the house. So busy show today. We've got a ton of guests. We've got a lot of news developing. If you're listening for the first time and just joining us, welcome. Merry Christmas week to everybody. Hope everyone's having a happy holidays. If you're not following us on social media, please do so. And when you do that, share all of our content uh, as we hop right into the news here off top. So, I don't know, Noah, what would you think about uh, the night before bankruptcy? <laughs>
0: I mean, it's it's funny, but it's, it's only just taking the sting away from how fucked we are. Yeah. I mean, it's just like a little levity. Yeah, it makes you feel better, but then when you really think about what the subject matters about, it's just like we are just an incomprehensible debt that will never go away now. Like, I mean, we were already in debt that was never going away, but now we're in like twice the amount of debt that'll never go away.
3: Yeah. And it's like, he he actually pointed that out throughout the course of that rendition there where he said, don't worry about debt. There's always the Fed Mm. and they continue to raise the rates and, and print unregulated money. Not everyone thought Dr. Paul's uh, singing of the night before Christmas, his version of it, the, the Capitol Hill version of it, was all but enjoyable. Let's hear the Grinch who stole war room kind of <laughs> weigh in on, on senatorial uh doings on with the omnibus bill and uh, you know, the fact of the matter that they do at the end of the day need to hold be held accountable.
6: Democrats,
5: Republicans, and Democrats. So call 202 224 3121. And tell them you know exactly what they did. And don't let give you any happy talk. You know, don't let. I think we'll play this afternoon. Rand Paul's sweater the night before Christmas. And all this little. It's funny, isn't it? No,
6: it's not funny. And you had every bit of power to stop it, all of you, and
0: you're all guilty.
3: I mean, I don't disagree with them, but yeah, let's have a little bit of Christmas cheer. I mean, try
0: not to be such a
3: asshole. <laughs> that is the truth. There. Um... You know, Senator Paul and some of his congressional counterparts in the Senate, they would have taken to the podium this week to discuss some of the sadness that is a a lot of portions of this omnibus bill, which is like pork like we've never seen before. I mean, you're going to get the uh, Michelle Obama trail. You're going to get the uh, Nancy Pelosi federal building and a uh, peace park.
0: Uh, The Michelle Obama trail. I'm Mm -hmm. just seeing a lot of memes like, you have died of dysentery. Like...
3: (laughs) <laughs> yes, I totally agree <laughs> with that. Um, and, and then you're going to get the Peace Park in the heart of Washington D.C. In, in one of the most crime-riddled cities on the planet. For uh, are we you- buying Zelensky a suit yet? Oh, we'll get into that in news one. Let's let's stay with the omnibus right now. Here's Senator Paul talking about all the garbage in there. He brought the omnibus in on like a little red wagon, and now here's him talking about it.
5: Oh, with me, the Omni four thousand one hundred and fifty-five pages. When was it produced? In the dead of the night, 1.30 in the morning when it was released. Now, people argue that it's conservatives' fault, it's, you don't have the Christmas spirit, somehow you're holding up government. Well, whose job is it to produce this? The people in charge of spending, the people in charge of both of the parties. When did they know that this would be necessary? Well, it's in the law, September 30th. You got nine months, almost ten months, to produce a plan, to have a spending plan. They weren't ready on September 30th, so they b- voted themselves 90 more days. They weren't ready last week either, so they voted themselves another week. And now we have it at 1.30 in the morning this morning. But what's the clamor? The clamor is to vote. Vote now, let's get it done. Why are you standing in the way of spending?
7: Mm.
5: Well, the real question is this. What is more dangerous? What is more dangerous to the country? trillion in new debt, or as Republican leadership likes to say, oh, but it's a win. It's a big win. We're getting $45 billion for the military. So which is more important? Which threatens the country more? Are we at risk for being invaded by a foreign power if we don't put $45 billion into the military? Or are we more at risk by adding to a $31 trillion debt? I think the greatest risk to our national security is our debt. The process stinks. It's an abomination. It's a no-good, rotten way to run your government, $6 trillion entity, and they want 24 hours to process this, and then they want to go forward. I will be demanding two amendments, one, that this goes against the budget rules. The PAYGO rules say you can't do this. You can't have all this new spending unless it's offset. We will also be demanding that the PAYGO rules are increased. Instead of taking 60 votes to evade the rules, we're gonna ask that it be a two-thirds vote to evade the rules. The American people don't want this. They're sick and tired of it. They're paying for it through the nose with inflation. Adding a trillion dollars to the deficit will simply fuel the fires that are consuming our wages and consuming our retirement plans. It's a terrible system. Someone needs to stand up. We're standing up and we're going to say no.
3: And I mean, like, it was a really good point he made. The $1.7 trillion omnibus does open the door to almost $6 trillion in spending when you're talking about funds that will be appropriated moving on. So, what are we, $31 trillion in debt? You're getting close to $40 uh, with the passage of this bill. and it's, it's ridiculous. It's sitting in the House of Representatives right now. Like,
0: what was, what was the level of debt that we could have been at where we could have actually over, overcome it and and not just been dying of interest? Like, I don't even know. Yeah.
3: No, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great point that you make there. And uh, talking about some of the funding in there, you, you, $47 billion appropriated for the Ukraine border skirmish with Russia. Uh, we currently sit at 34 border walls worth of cash, aid, funding, and military equipment have been shipped over to the worst war zone in the history of war zones, and that's the border skirmish in Ukraine. Uh, that $47 million additional, $47 billion Additional dollars would allow for 13 and a half more border walls worth of cash aid funding and military equipment to head on over to Ukraine. While a lot of the uh, senators who were involved in trying to add amendments to that this week pointed out that we're sending in addition to, you know, Ukraine's border skirmish, at least three African or Middle Eastern countries strictly for border security, which means we are building checkpoints. We are building walls in places like Syria, uh, instead of on our own U.S. southern border, which we'll touch on later in the show. Uh, Senator Ron Johnson was next up. He he accompanied Rand Paul, as did Mike Lee, and wanted to talk about some of the stuff in this bill. Let's hear Ron John.
2: Amendment that I'll be asking for and that uh, Senator Schumer agreed to last week would be to eliminate all the earmarks. And uh, I've got my own prop here. So that's the entire omnibus. This is the language on earmarks only. There are, let me get the exact numbers, um, $9.8 billion mm. worth of earmarks. Thousands of individual projects here, both Democrat and Republican. It's, it's interesting interesting note on the Republican side, we, we actually have a conference resolution that, that we don't support earmarks. Well... We're supporting over $4 billion worth. Democrats are getting $5.4 billion worth of earmarks. Uh, this is the gateway drug to the massive deficit spending, to the mortgaging of our children's future. It has to stop, which is why I'm going to offer an amendment to uh, eliminate all those earmarks in this massive automotive spending
1: bill.
8: Mm.
3: Earmarks are plenty. What do you think, Noah? I mean,
0: how many earmarks is too many earmarks?
3: One. One, exactly. Speaking of earmarks, and I know he's your favorite senator, Mm. Werther's original spokesman (laughs) took to the Senate floor saying that, you want to know what? Senate Democrats are wrong here in pushing this from the September 30th deadline, adding an extra 90 days and not being ready last week. Kind of sounded optimistic right there, right? Yeah but it's because we're not doing something fast enough. I'm pretty sure you can guess what it is, Noble. Let's hear it.
9: initial plan assumed there would be a lull in fighting over the winter, Mm -hmm. and so the disbursement rates of weapons would actually decrease. But hoping for the best cannot mean that we fail to prepare for the worst. Rather than slowing assistance, we should be speeding up international deliveries to Ukraine to help them take back more territory and better prepare for whenever they need, wherever they next go, on their offensive. So Republicans push hard here in the Senate to increase the amount of security assistance in this bill. I'm glad our Democratic colleagues came around. The agreement on the table increases weapons purchases to support Ukraine beyond the president's request. This assistance is in our national security interests, but it is also in America's economic interests. These investments will help expand our
8: defense. Well,
3: the bill's not getting passed fast enough, so we can't get money and resources and military equipment over to Ukraine. Darn. How dare we? I mean, that's kind of where we're at. We knew Mitch McConnell was going to be making his backroom deals with uh, Democrats There there was almost no chance because of the slim Democrat majority here of us, you know, doing anything relevant in stopping the earmarks or pushing the bill over to uh, the next year when Congress is sworn in and the uh, incoming House Republicans who will have the majority uh, can reappropriate this thing. But who knows what's going to happen in the next 12 hours or so before, uh, you know, our congressional Representatives head to break. I saw Mike Lee, who wanted some amendments made to the omnibus bill, jump on with uh, Jason Chaffetz, former representative who was sitting in for boomer sweats, talking about border security, which really isn't in the bill at all. Let's hear it.
8: It's the latest Title 42. You're trying to inject it into the omnibus. What's the latest there right in the Senate? Yeah, Jason, this 4,155-page bill, full of Democratic priorities, does nothing to protect the border. Quite to the contrary, it contains language undermining border security. So I insisted that we have at least one amendment, up or down vote, on whether to preserve Title 42, because Title 42 is the one thing standing between us and utter chaos. We already have mostly chaos. This would bring us to utter chaos if it expires, which it's about to. All I want is an up or down vote. Chuck Schumer and the Democrats are terrified of an up-or-down vote. Why? Well, because they want absolute pandemonium and chaos on the border. And they're terrified of this vote because they will lose, as they should lose. And so I'm standing firm. I'm going to demand an up-or-down vote. If they don't give us the up-or-down vote, this is going to be very difficult for them, and it probably will cost them the omnibus. Uh, Senator, why not just wait two weeks, till the Calvary in the House uh, it changes leadership. There's no more Nancy Pelosi in two weeks. Why not do that? Uh, Jason, you are absolutely right to ask that question because we should do that. This is what I've been advocating since September. I've been advocating this all month in December as well. We need to have a short-term spending bill. Stop pegging this to the holidays rather than setting a, a, a shutdown cliff right before Christmas Eve. We should pass a short-term spending bill taking this into January. Look, no Republican should vote to support this measure. They shouldn't be supporting this bill in the first place, especially if they won't give us an up or down vote on Title 42.
3: Makes a lot
0: of sense, don't you think? I I just, now we have no chance of fixing. I mean, if that just gets pushed through, there's no chance of holding anything up and then there's all that just blanket spending that's just not really assigned to anything that's floated in there too.
3: Yeah, you're right, and, and believe it or not, well, I'm sure you could believe it, Title 42 protections and the up or down vote were both denied from getting into the omnibus bill. Weird. So weird. Even, even the dog groaned. I like it. Um, newly announced, independent, the senator from Arizona, Kristen Cinema was also on the Senate floor after Mitch McConnell yesterday talking about some of this stuff uh, in regards to what's going on with the border and just the whole immigration system in general. Let's hear her weigh in before we find out some uh, interesting developments that happened shortly after her speaking piece.
8: Mr. President, it's pathetic Congress once again stands here at the 11th hour to fulfill its most fundamental obligation. Partisanship and tunnel vision on damaging the opposition and preventing the other side from getting a win has replaced thoughtful legislating. I've made clear the borders in crisis and Arizona is facing a security and humanitarian crisis. Enough is enough. Stop using the border as a political tool. We are here to do our job. We must fund the government and we must solve our border crisis. This amendment keeps Title 42 until a permanent plan is in place boosts desperately needed border funding for security, invests in our agents and officers, and stops the flow of dangerous drugs. I call on my colleagues to support this amendment. I yield to Senator Tester.
3: Pretty weird, right? Mm. A a former Democrat and current independent, one who doesn't necessarily agree with a lot of the current standing Democrat policies on the border, uh, making a case for her state. If anyone's watched anywhere on the news over the last 24 hours, I saw just this morning he did a great piece, and he's going to be joining us again uh, at the beginning of January. The Daily Caller's Jorge Ventura was on Fox News this morning Oh, nice! talking about how the Tucson sector has been getting anywhere between 700 and 1,000 migrants a day there, completely overwhelming their system. Uh, everybody knows that if Kristen Sinema is going to have a snowball's chance in hell to win re-election as an independent in Arizona, if it's a three-way race especially, she needs to stay strong on the border. Unfortunately, right after her speaking piece there, she yielded back. The Republican senator gave his uh, rebuttal, and Senate Ma- Majority Leader Chuck Schumer called for a recess. Huddled with the Dems. They came back out, and Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin said they would not be pushing for an up or down vote on Title 42 protections in the omnibus bill. Perfect. Right? So weird. Senator Schumer, after the Senate voted and passed, this bill came out to give some comments on it, uh, and we'll we'll get to that in just a bit because uh, one one of the people who has been weighing in on just about everything lately is uh, President Donald Trump. He definitely wanted to get in on this omnibus bill and uh, send a message to the Senate Republicans. Let's hear him.
10: Republicans should vote no on the ludicrous, unacceptable one point seven trillion dollar omnibus spending bill. It's a disaster for our country, and it also happens to be a disaster for the Republican Party because they can stop it. Biden and the radical Democrats are trying to ram through this monstrosity in the dark of night when no one has even had a chance to read. It's over 4,000 pages crammed with left-wing disasters, Washington betrayals, and special interest sellouts all designed to keep The corruption going without lifting a single finger to solve the problems that matter to hardworking families and Americans. The bill provides $1.9 billion for so-called border management to process illegal aliens and release them into our country. But it incredibly prohibits those funds from ever being used for border security to prevent illegal aliens from coming in in the first place. And most importantly, we're giving $500 million to other countries for border security and for the building of walls. Can you believe this? But we're not allowed to use any money for border security or the building of walls. This bill will make the border worse. It will make crime worse. It will make the economy worse. It will make inflation worse it will make every single one of Joe Biden's total catastrophes even more ruinous and (laughs) damaging to our country. Our country is going to hell because of what they've done in the last two years. Passing a spending bill now, before Republicans take control of Congress on January 3rd, would squander our best chance to hold Biden fully accountable and force him to secure the border in the new year. Mitch McConnell, who is an absolute disaster, by the way, (laughs) must not be allowed to waste this golden opportunity. He's more of a Democrat than a Republican. What he's doing to this party is incredible, and what he's doing to our nation is incredible. Call your congressmen and senators right now and tell them to vote no on Democrats' massive left-wing spending bill, and they have to do it now. Vote no.
3: No lies detected? Yeah, no. Seems like he makes a pretty reasonable case. So we would go on to a vote, and you'll never guess. I'm sure Noah, he was absolutely floored by the developments. It passed in the Senate. Weird. Even though, uh, you know, there is no majority currently until January 3rd. Uh, Let's hear about some of the America last senators in the Republican Party and how they went about it. Some of the usual shitbag suspects, Roy Blunt of Missouri, John Boozman of Arkansas, Shelly moore Capco of West Virginia, Susan Collins, of course, of Maine, John Cornyn of Texas, Tom Cotton of Arkansas, kind of a surprise there. No surprise here. Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, outgoing Senator uh, Jim Menoffi of Oklahoma, Mitch McConnell's got to fund those wars, uh, from Kentucky, Jerry Moran of Kansas, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, I'm glad we, we funded her re-election campaign, Rob Portman of Ohio, Mitt Romney of Utah, of course, because Donald Trump came out and said don't vote for it, he, he actually tried to vote early uh, right after Donald Trump released that message, Richard Shelby of Alabama, John Thune, Mitch McConnell's uh, eventual replacement as biggest tortoise in the republican party from south dakota roger wicker of mississippi and todd young of indiana i can't wait for jim banks to uh get him the hell out of there in the next election cycle and become the senator from the state there it was at this point that chuck chuck schumer wanted to do a little bit of victory lap and talk about all the great things that the uh democrat senators have done to continue to absolutely destroy our country let's hear him uh make reason of it in in a way only he can
11: One of the most productive congresses that we've had in a very long time. I am so proud of my colleagues, every single one of them. To do this in a Senate that had 65 would have been momentous. To do it in a Senate with 50 was, um, and I say this about my colleagues, their unity was miraculous. And uh, wow. Wow. So I feel very, very good about all of this.
3: Asshole. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Jesus so it's, it's it's a joke and and so is he where we're at right now um you know it it's just ridiculous of how we've been able to get to this point to where they could just pretty much roll out something as this is like you get this piece of shit is so big you could probably see it from space and we're just going to give it to the american people uh we're just going to continue listen you think the prices are high right now the Biden administration was out bragging about gas prices going down. The price barrel of gas today is $80 and it looks like it's only going up. So get ready for those gas prices to spike uh, in the very short amount of time here. The passing of the bill in the Senate sends it to the House. Who knows what's gonna happen there as they uh, you know, are beginning the debates, which will should end by this evening. I mean, I don't I don't I don't think heading into Christmas Eve, we're gonna get like a four a.m. vote, but who knows at this point? Um current House Republican minority leader Steve Scalise was on Fox News last night. He was talking about it getting to the House and what's going to happen here. Let's hear him
12: absolutely nothing in this bill for border security. Uh, hundreds of billions of dollars. Nobody can tell you what's in it. It was just filed, and they're going to vote on it in dark of night. It would it would be ironic but, uh, but appropriate that they would try to vote on it at 3 in the morning. Uh, this is a bad bill for taxpayers. Uh, but we've got to change the way that business is done in Washington. It's what we ran on. We won the House majority on that. But you see them running this thing through uh, by dark of night uh, with billions in things that Uh, They're doing border security in foreign countries, and they're impeding border security in our country. Uh, Everything about this is the wrong way to go. I hope they reverse course.
3: And they sure didn't. You know, they, they keep talking about not doing border security here. So we did a little digging, and we were able to find out that the amount of money that's being appropriated for Border Patrol's the Department of Homeland Security in regard to border enforcement has nothing to do with border enforcement. I have been told by some reliable sources. Um, You know, we did have Tom Holman on the show the other day. He's still very well connected within the Department of Homeland Security community. All of the money that's going to Border Patrol this year, none will go to fencing, none will go to drones, none will go to officers, none will go to enforcement. We are going to refurbish. Wait, they're just going to get more refrigerators for the juice boxes, right? You're not wrong. They are going to refurbish some of the already standing, Detention centers. Oh, the Obama ones? With air conditioners. Mm. With state-of-the-art medical facilities. Okay. Cable television. Ooh. And catered food. Catered. Catered. Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Why not just put a McDonald's in?
3: We might as well. A lot of the people who are crossing the border right now are pretty much only qualified to work there. Eesh. At the very least. And that goes nothing to our long-standing positive relationship with the mcdonald's community listen nobody likes a a large diet coke in the mcdonald's crushed ice (laughs) than i do and uh and my kids love nuggies but the fact of the matter is is that yes so instead of doing anything for for the proposed and forecasted over five million people who are set to come in you can watch it on any like even fox and newsmax are reporting it now they're going down to Juarez. They're going down to, to places on the other side of Eagle Pass, on the other side of the Rio Grande Valley, and they're looking. There are thousands of people waiting for the Supreme Court to make a decision on Title 42 and say, you want to know what? This administration wants it out of there. We can't really justify holding it up in court anymore. It's their administration. Let them do what they want to do. If, if AGs and, and governors want to sue after that, that's on them. But for the for the case of the legal process, we kind of got to let it go. And uh, they're just waiting to, to rush the border Not taking any questions on the omnibus or current situation down on the U.S. southern border. We started with a Christmas message and our cold open, we're ending with one today. (laughs) Joe Biden gave his presidential message yesterday from the White House, it was a whopping two minutes long and uh, definitely had to take some shots at MAGA and hype up COVID. Let's hear him as we're getting ready to uh, close out
13: our cold open. Politics has gotten so angry, so mean, so partisan. And too often we see each other as enemies, not as neighbors; as Democrats and Republicans, not as fellow Americans. We become too divided. But as tough as these times have been, if we look a little closer, we see bright spots all across the country. You fire up the Garrison. The strength, the determination, the resilience—that's long-defined America. We're surely making progress. Things are getting better. COVID law no longer controls our lives. The kids are back in school. People are back to work. In fact, more people are working than ever before. False. What? What? Americans are building. Ever? Innovating again. Dreaming again. So my hope this Christmas season is that we take a few moments of quiet reflection. Find that stillness in the heart of Christmas. It's at the heart of Christmas. And look, really look at each other. Not as Democrats or Republicans, not as members of Team Red or Team Blue, but as who we really are, fellow Americans, fellow human beings worthy of being treated with dignity and respect. I sincerely hope this holiday, se- this holiday season will drain the poison God. that has infected our politics and set us against one another. Mm. Asshole. I hope this Christmas season marks a fresh start for our nation. There's so much that unites us as Americans, so much more that unites us than divides us. Mm. We're truly blessed to live in this nation. And I truly hope we take the time to look out, look out for one another, not at one, look for one another.
0: Let's try not running the nation into the ground. So many ground.
13: people struggle at Christmas. It can be a time of great pain and terrible loneliness. <clears throat> I know, like many of you know, <clears throat> it was 50 years ago this week that I lost my first wife my infant daughter in a car accident my two sons were badly injured when they were out shopping for a christmas tree i know how hard this time of year can be but here's what i learned long ago no one no one can ever know what someone else is going through oh
3: gosh Mm. stop it Mm. (sighs) he wouldn't go on for much longer and as soon as he was done he said you know like God bless the America and and Merry Christmas to all. And he turned around and started walking back down the hallway and people immediately was like, president Biden, do you think the U S Southern border is operationally secure and under control? And he just took off for the freaking locker room and was out of there. Mm -hmm. Whisked away on a plane to Delaware to where he would be standing, spending his Christmas vacation. um, While his underlings in the house and Senate, try to pass the biggest piece of shit in the history of modern politics. So
0: I just don't how I don't understand how anybody can get behind this. I,
3: I <laughs> What does it make you excited about a friendship park in the heart of DC for Ukraine? What doesn't get you excited about that? Uh the point? You don't, you don't want the Nancy Pelosi Federal Post Office? Like and, and, are you going
0: to put like an apartment for Zelensky in the park? In the in the Big Mike camping trail? The big
3: ooh. Mhm.
0: Yeah, take some balls to go on that trail.
3: You know, we did kick off our show. This this is a Christmas theme steak for breakfast today. We're not going to let you guys get too sad about the omnibus bill. We're going to bring it back right now with two great pieces. We've got a little bit of a Christmas treat for you, and then we're going to get into the leadership debate for the RNC chair. All right, joining us first on the show today, we're spreading a little holiday cheer on this Christmas edition of Steak for Breakfast. She's a country platinum recording artist. Joining us again, Alexis Wilkins, thanks for jumping on the show with us.
14: Hey, thanks for having me.
3: Oh, it's our pleasure. How's everything going with you?
14: Everything's good. We got the power back on and uh, we are are rolling.
3: Oh, well, thank goodness for the uh, sake of our show alone that you get the power back. But uh, what are you guys experiencing some storms down there?
14: Yep, we're about, I think it's still like negative 17, uh, feel out there. And we had windstorms all last night, and it was exciting,
3: mm. excellent. Well, not really <laughs> chilling, chilling is is, is, a, is a, probably a better analogy. It seems like you've brought a little uh backup band with you today. You want to introduce your uh co guest? I
14: do, I do. So, with me, I have Colin Rolfe, who if you uh, if you come see me out on the road, you're gonna see him too.
3: Happy to be here. It's a lot warmer inside now.
0: <laughs> back nice,
15: yeah. I
3: Well, thanks for joining us as well. And how has the road been treating you? You've been extremely busy. I've been checking on your social medias. doesn't seem like you're taking too many nights off.
14: No, it's been good. Um, it's been busy. We did some shows in Indianapolis and Detroit, and kind of been been bouncing around a bit. We've got um, January thirteenth and fourteenth coming up in in Memphis and Birmingham, and then um, a Nashville date January twentieth and twenty first. And so, kind of kind of bouncing around a bit. I was just in Phoenix um, for the Turning Point uh, convention, which awesome. was so much fun, and and it was cool to get to see everyone in one place and see some amazing speakers and and, uh, meet some folks I hadn't met before, except for, you know, online. So it was, it was fun.
3: No, that's great. And that looked like a a really wholesome event that they put on. Well, I'll I'll give you the premise leading into uh, you're going to perform your, your Christmas song for us today, but just so you know what your opening acts looked like, we had Rand Paul perform the night before Christmas congressional uh, Republican edition. And then we had Joe Biden's Christmas message. Mm -hmm. So no pressure, but, uh, you're definitely going to lift our spirits with whatever you've got coming in hot right now. What is the, uh, message that you want to give out, uh, about the Christmas season? What does it mean to you and and what's going on with you and your family when you, uh, are experiencing all of these holiday delights?
14: Uh, Um, what a, what a tough act to follow, um, (laughs) with that, with that proceeding. Uh, no Christmas, I mean, is always my favorite season, I love the fact that everything slows down, and it is so about family and togetherness, and just about the things that are um, actually important and actually mean something. You know, there's there's so much that goes on in in the world, and the news cycle, and and everything that we obviously pay attention to. That it's nice to just have an even couple day reminder of what what it's really all about. Um, and so I'm I'm grateful to be home for these couple of days with my family. And you know, I lost my dog this year, um, and wow. so. It's kind of a, it's, it's, we're, we're readjusting to holidays. And so it's, you know, I know that holidays sometimes aren't the easiest time for people if, if you have lost someone or if you're missing people. Um, and so I'm thinking of that too. I, I get it. So I just, uh, I think it's a time to appreciate the people you do have around and, and really think about, you know, why we, why we're, why we're here celebrating this season.
3: No, and there are a lot of reasons to celebrate. Sorry to hear about your dog, but, I mean, when you bring it back down to the real values and traditions of Christmas, being close with family and loved ones, that's how you kind of make, make up for however difficult the year might've been. So I definitely like that message and uh, really excited to hear, what What are you gonna play for us today?
14: Um, I'm going to sing my original Christmas song called Old Fashioned Christmas.
3: Excellent. Nice. Can't wait, been listening to it in my car a little bit over the last couple oh, of days, but, it, but excited to hear it on the show today.
14: Awesome, awesome. Well, here we go. Oh.
16: people wear their good hats for the ballet out of town was filled every driveway mama's home cooking and I just wanna
3: Absolutely amazing. Alexis, thank you for coming down and sharing that with our listenership today. It's definitely a Christmas treat from all of us here at Steak for Breakfast and and you guys to all of our listenership who's, you know, just attendance we value so much, uh, like all the things we're thankful for during this Christmas season. Where are we finding you guys on social media? And if you want, you want to tell us what uh, you've got coming up again real quick out of the new year and and where you're going to be. We're going to live link them in the show description today.
14: Awesome. Well, thank you. So, um, everything of mine is under Alexis Wilkins. Uh, it's just, just my name. And I think that really goes everywhere. Um, I have socials and then, um, coming up January 13th and 14th, we're in Memphis and Birmingham. And then we have two Nashville dates um, the 20th and the 21st, and then we're releasing music in the new year, um, which we haven't completely, uh, announced which ones yet, but, um, I'm really excited.
3: Yeah, and we're excited to have you back at some point in the new year. We know you got the album coming out, and once you guys get back from uh, a little bit of the road, we'll be looking forward to having you back on Steak for Breakfast. This is country artist, recording superstar, platinum recording artist, Lexus Wilkins. Thank you for coming on the show. You guys have a very Merry Christmas.
14: Thank you so much. Y'all too. All
3: right, joining us next on the show today, she's the founder of the Dylan Law Group, the Center for American Liberty, and currently a candidate for the RNC chair. Joining us for the first time, Harmeet Dylan. thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast
15: absolutely thanks for having me guys
3: well how's everything going with you ma'am i I can only assume just based off of how often i see you on the news which is almost hourly now you're you're a little bit busy how's everything going
15: well it's been pretty busy i've had some very long and and, uh, informative calls with other members of the republican national committee Uh, they are you know carefully looking at the different issues here they're also thousands of Republicans in each state reaching out to uh, the, the members of the RNC sharing their views. And you know we're getting a lot of calls from donors to the party, uh, elected officials and people just encouraging us because we're talking about making some necessary changes to the party and I think most of our stakeholders outside the RNC would like to see some change. So I, I'm excited there's a lot of momentum and you know I've been working 20 hour days.
3: Yeah, I've definitely seen that, and and, and I'd be lying if I say I haven't seen momentum building as well. There's definitely a lot of conversation going on around it. Now, when you were outside looking in before you made your candidacy official here, what made you get to the final determination that now is the right time uh, for change in leadership? I mean, obviously, we know the results of the elections over the past couple of cycles, including the 2020 presidential, probably all things that factored into it, that in junction with the fact that we have another presidential election coming up here in the next cycle. But what were some of the big determining factors for you as someone that already is part of the RNC?
15: Well, look you know, honestly, the main motivating factor is I had expected the chair to move on after her third term. Um, you know, generally, people do not serve even three terms much less four terms is unprecedented in the modern era and so when i learned that we were planning to just have the same you know strategies the same consultants who are really controlling the rnc and taking a lot of the donor dollars instead of spending them on winning races i was deeply concerned and you know if i had heard a vision from the chair saying yes we did things uh, incorrectly in the past, or we, we need to learn from our mistakes and do things better in the future. And these are the following 19 things I'm gonna change. I probably would have said, okay, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. But when we're talking about we've done a great job, we actually won, we turned out more voters, we had more voter contacts, um, we're gonna blame Trump, we're gonna blame candidate choice, we're gonna blame ticket splitting, we're gonna blame Dobbs. I, you know, For me, as a, as a volunteer in this party, really all I want is for us to win races, and even that is to make this country better. If neither of those things is happening, then we're not fulfilling our function as a Republican National Committee. And so um, a member has a better chance than others to win this race, so I've stepped up to uh, fulfill that role. And I do have a vision, and the vision includes focusing on getting out our voters and turning in our ballots early in every state where that's the the deal. I know it's something that we as Republicans are not that comfortable with. We like voting on election day. I like voting on election day, but where we have these laws and Democrats are able to get completely incompetent candidates like John Fetterman, like Katie Hobbs, like Joe Biden, elected through ballot harvesting and early voting, then, um, then we have uh, a, a we we are not prepared if we aren't doing the same thing on our side. I also think we need better and more positive messaging and and focus on bringing in young people into our party and converting them. They're definitely being converted by the Democrats and their seductive messages, so we need to really redouble our efforts there. Um, I think putting community centers in communities is nice, but it's not a substitute for actually engaging the voters who don't have time to go to community centers and who are actually, we need to bring them in and then retain them. I think that there isn't a good plan for that. And then I think also finally, we would be double or triple as effective as a party if we did not raise money in a very expensive way and then blow it on consultants who line their pockets. That's a real problem in the party. Everybody in DC knows it and people don't wanna say it because they don't wanna offend the people in that culture because they rely on them. I'm an outsider in that sense. I have a law firm uh, and I am an election integrity lawyer as well as a civil rights lawyer. I'm not dependent on that consultant class to do anything in my life. And while I think we need good consultants, the entire country is filled with highly talented conservatives who are not being hired to do these jobs because of the sclerotic nature of the RNC. So all of these things would change under my leadership.
3: No, I, I definitely like some of those bullet points that are parts of your campaign platform. I think they're all things, I mean, obviously the early vote and the ballot ballot harvesting where applicable and building it in places where we're not strong with it, where, where it's a part of the law. It's some of the things we didn't, Uh, going through the pandemic, make the correct adjustments on, and it really bit us in the butt in the last election for sure. Um, You know, the the candidate quality and and things of that nature, I also agree with you. I mean, Joe Biden, John Fetterman, and Katie Hobbs are the perfect examples of why it really doesn't matter who you roll out there or what kind of a campaign you run. You have to have a good system in place to make sure that you're supporting the overall message of the RNC, which I think it kind of gets lost in the sauce. When you just look at the leadership right now inside the beltway, there is a huge difference between Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, and Ronna McDaniel. All of their messages when they go on TV are different. They all seem to hit some bullet points on the same, but others extremely different. And, and, and the fact of the matter is it just looks like everybody's not on the same page, and it's definitely something we need to move on to. One of the things that I saw we lack uh, you know, on the Republican side of the field here, and, and I just want your opinion on it, is the use or, or getting better to mastery of social media and the Internet – We all know after the stuff came out about the Twitter files showing that we are, you know, up against a huge force uh, repressing conservative messages out there. We can only assume that the same things happen on places like Meta. We all know it's like a seven to one uh, search results on places like Microsoft and Google. But how could we get better at, at using social media? I mean, right now, let's just say Donald Trump's the only announced candidate for the presidency in 2024 if he becomes the nominee. Don't you think it's prudent for him to get back on all of these social medias and, and really get his campaign messages out there across all platforms?
15: Well, look, I'm not uh, I'm not advising the former president. I'm uh, you know voted for him twice, and he's uh, you know great leader of our party who brought a lot of great young and and older and different voters into the party. But uh, I don't think he has any social media gap. I do think the party itself is pretty poor at social media. Yeah. I mean, you know, few of the members have social media. Uh, I'm one of the members who's active on some social media, not as much as I'd like to because I have a day job. (laughs) But I think that we ought to be having uh, younger people in the party, influencers, creating content for us, helping us to reach out to different audiences. That's actually how the rest of conservative media and activism goes. I mean, even in my state party, I think we're, we're good at using social media to put out messages. And it's so much cheaper to get your message out virally that way than these bloated consulting firms that do these expensive ads and just waste money on them. And so that the Democrats have put out that for 2024, they're investing in two things in a big way, digital and social media. Yep. I mean, we know that they're doing that. What are we doing? I think we're saying, hey, we did great the last six years. Let's continue to do more of the same. Let's have some more, please. Uh, I don't think so. I want to win and what we need to change to do that.
3: Oh, it's, it's an excellent point you make there. Sticking on the same uh, thread and, and going back to the leadership, we don't have to name names or specific things that they say, but in addition to yourself, do you feel like it's time to either look in a different direction or or at least have go through those growing pains like we're seeing for the, you know, battle for the RNC chair right now in other facets of, uh, you know, Republican politics, namely the Senate and the House?
15: Well, Speaking for, I think the voters I've heard from, I've heard a clamor for change across the board. Yeah. Okay. And so what I'm, what I'm seeing in the RNC is no different. Um, I don't get a vote for uh, Senate leadership. I probably would have voted differently. I I, I would thank Mitch McConnell for his service in blocking some bad judges and, uh, and helping us get good judges on the bench. He did, he did a great job. I think the time to let some new leaders come in is way past us. Uh, And I would say in the House as well, you know, I've seen some of our leaders speak with forked tongues. They uh, talk about social media and social media censorship, and then they take money from the same big tech companies and block antitrust legislation that would empower people to be able to speak more freely online. So, you know, I'd like to see some accountability there, but without term limits you know, these folks get into office if they survive their first reelection, they're there forever until they want to leave. I mean, look at Nancy Pelosi, look at so many of our leaders are, I mean, age by itself, by the way, is not a problem. I myself count myself in the near ARP category, believe it or not. But it is a question of, are you still fresh? Are you still in touch with the voters? Are you still willing to change and learn, and if you aren't, then I think you should step aside and let a new generation come in. That goes across the board in politics. In corporations, you know, they have mandatory retirement ages and, and so forth, but I think people should be a little more self-aware and see whether we might need some new change. And we see the, hunkering for the hankering for that. We see so many, um, you know, this leadership dispute in the House is really, I think in part, not about Kevin McCarthy, but about, you know, newer members wanting to hear their, have their voices heard. That's, that's a human nature.
3: Yeah, no, it certainly is. And, uh, you know, whether or not it comes down to Kevin McCarthy becomes the speaker and winds up making a bunch of amendments, we talked about it on our Tuesday edition of the show. You know, I thought it would have been really naive of Kevin McCarthy, especially someone, you know, he's a seasoned veteran. He knows a huge money-making machine, and he knows how to play the game. If he would have went and answered and addressed everyone's public concerns or amendments they wanted to make how the 118th Congress would run after January 3rd, Right off the bat to ensure his speakership vote, that would leave him an enormous amount of time for everyone to come in and continue to try and get changes. I think he's going to make a lot of those amendments towards the end, which is probably going to lead to a speakership. But I definitely agree with you that we need to hear some of those younger voices out there. They 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 sit on committees and and they go on to the news channels and they definitely make a great case for the things we're not addressing. I mean, just this week alone, we see them trying to force this omnibus bill down there with very little border enforcement, while we had that whatever you want to call it up on Capitol Hill yesterday with the president of Ukraine coming in and and them doing like the whole big production for him, which we don't minimize the situation that's going on over there, but you know, allotting and appropriating so much money for someone else's foreign borders while they're in a conflict, while you see what's going on on our U.S. southern border with the prospectus of maybe five-plus million more people coming in next year, you kind of want to see the funds, at least in the the House, where we have the majority right now, be able to whip a little bit more for the people who are down there serving to protect our country.
9: Oh, I
15: I agree with you completely. So, look, by the end of the day, Kevin McCarthy is a very skilled leader and politician. I'm sure he will... I'm sure there's a round of "Let's make a deal" happening in D.C. right now, and that that's how it goes. Yeah. But we don't have "Let's make a deal" at the RNC. It's my way or the highway, unfortunately. And uh, so, over the next uh, little five weeks or so, we'll continue to call and talk to members of the RNC. Other stakeholders will continue to weigh in. Um, you know, people who are responsive to the grassroots are supporting me, and 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 those voices are being heard. So I'm I'm grateful for that and uh I, I feel confident in the future if we have some some changes and so and frankly it would take some pressure off of uh leadership in the house and the senate if at least something changed in our republican ecosystem and the rnc can do that so um i i'm, I'm looking forward to january 27th vote and and seeing if we can affect some change there as well.
3: How do you honestly feel that whip's been going for you? Have you I, I know you've talked about it on other programs and stuff like that, that you've gotten really good reception. Do you really feel like you're winning, let's just say, uh, figuratively the hearts and minds of people who, at the end of the day, they understand, like, it's just like you the the point you just made, the change in leadership kind of takes the pressure off them because it's gotten to the point now where if anything goes wrong on the Republican side of anything, it's either Donald Trump or the three leaders in the party. Those are the only two p- things you can blame, and there's nothing else in between. Uh, do you feel like people are really receptive to the message that you're putting out there?
15: I do, actually. And so, you know, the, the, the RNC is unique. It's only 168 people. There are long-standing friendships, uh, and I'm friends with many people who are on the other side of this right now. But ultimately, I, I trust the members of the RNC to do the right thing. Most of them, and I think the right thing is to understand that uh, if we keep doing the same thing as we have the last really 10 years, we're looking at 10, 12 years. We're looking at uh, another disappointing loss, and these losses aren't free. It isn't that you can just keep losing repeatedly cycle after cycle and your voters will stay. Your voters won't stay. People will be disenchanted. They'll join other parties. They'll uh, become worse. They'll become disenchanted with politics altogether and they won't vote. We've even seen that in this last election cycle where we had some candidates who are, you know, good people. We love them as heroes or TV celebrities or whatever. But they didn't motivate the voters to get out to vote, and so that's really all it's about is motivating the voters to get out to vote, and, and I hope that uh, we'll be giving our RNC voters a lot to hope for in the future, and nothing succeeds like success, and having to constantly defend ourselves for the last few years, and I've been one of those people. I'm a loyal RNC member. Yes. I've been out there defending the current leadership as loyally as anybody possibly could over the last two years knowing that it was going to be over at the end of you know, that this last tenure. And in fact, now that I learned that it's not, I think it's time to stand up and say, we must have change.
3: And that's what you think the biggest uh, thing that separates you from the current leadership there now is the fact that you have an open mind. You're bringing comprehensive ideas. You're really looking to use and harness the things that, that have absolutely killed us in the last couple election cycles. I mean, we, we've done a pretty big uh, dossier on, on Ronald McDaniel, and, it, and it's all the public stuff. Like, we know that the money thing that came down a couple of weeks ago is very bad optics, but we also know the RNC has brought in an enormous amount of money over the course of her tenure but you know we've kind of feel as we've been able to watch her work she's catered to the vendors and to the consultants like you had mentioned off top Uh, those are two words that weren't common in you know regular news shows up until the last couple years but you know we've had some of the biggest pundits in the game come through our show and the first thing they start talking about is the consultants and vendors and how if you don't kind of bend the knee to them you're going to have a really hard time running a national level campaign in any election cycle and then We just kind of feel that she rode that wave in and the unprecedented win in in Michigan back in 2016. And to this point, she's had some minor victories. But as far as like changing with the times and getting us where we need to be as, as a party and, and, you know, the apparatus that kind of supports that, uh, we're just not there. And, and I think that that's the biggest, uh, you know, contrast that you could put when you talk about the absolute difference between you and her. You're willing to use those new ideas. Can you just uh, elaborate real quick on what you mean? I've heard you say on a couple of different show about getting the RNC outside of the Beltway.
15: Absolutely. So, the just physically, the building of the Republican National Committee is a beautiful building in um, you know near on Capitol Hill in D.C. next to the Capitol Hill Club, and you know nicely located. <clears throat> I visited that building many times in my six years, and you know, frankly, um, I visited Turning Point USA's headquarters in in uh, Scottsdale, for example. Sure. and you feel a buzz and an energy and a youthful enthusiasm and you don't feel that in the rnc building even though there are quite a few younger people working there it has a whole different atmosphere the consultant class all clusters around k street and and inside the beltway they are it's very incestuous they all both sides go to the same cocktail parties they hang out together there's a whole huge untapped well of talent around the country in digital in communications in social media in political in administration that we are not tapping because that building is in DC and not only is it physically in DC it's the DC culture the DC culture is actually what's what's wrong with our country and our party if 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 Congress you know didn't meet in DC and it had to meet in Omaha or you know uh, you know, different parts, Scottsdale, different parts of the country, the, the, the central valley in California, you boy, they'd have a very different tune than what they sing in DC. Yeah. So my idea is that we build a decentralized RNC with, with, with regional offices in places that we need to win, you know, Ohio, Wisconsin, Arizona, Nevada, Florida, Texas, you know, these states that we really need to hold and win. There's so much talent we would bring in immediately. People who don't want to live in D.C., people who want to have a nice house and children and live a good lifestyle and, and, and be close to their communities and have those community values. You're not going to get that in D.C. It's just a fact. Nobody's really from there except for a few people, and those people are you know dependent on a particular class of operatives in dc so that's been a pretty popular idea i've already gotten hundreds of job applications even though i'm not advertising for them for um, people young and old and experienced i should say all over the country would like to make change so very excited about that and if uh if i win this race we'll be implementing that that uh that change of course we're still going to need some people in dc sure Um, we have some great employees of the of the rnc i've worked with over the years most of the rnc employees are wonderful people I work with the legal department very closely. They're wonderful. I just think that um we're gonna be able to improve and expand that if we're wasting less money on the pockets of consultants and are able to invest in uh new leadership and new talent.
3: No, that's a, an excellent point there. And then and then last thing, you think those places that some of the ones you've mentioned, states like Nevada and Arizona, you think that they're not too far gone yet? You think with with new leadership and, and a comprehensive plan we could bring those states back to be in red again?
9: Oh,
15: absolutely. I mean, look in Nevada, we actually won the governor's race. Um, you know, so it's, it's totally winnable. We've won seats in Arizona. Uh, I think there's a, there's obviously who's the candidate. What are the messages used? Are we getting our votes in early? These are all things that matter. And if we don't do that, we are going to continue to lose.
3: Yeah. One of our great friends of the show, Eli Crane is one of those house seats we picked up in Arizona. And, uh, we uh, really appreciate you taking the time, Harmy. We know you're so busy. Uh, we've talked offline. We, your schedule is absolutely crazy. And uh, I think our listenership is really going to appreciate the fact that you came down and let, you know, made your case today because uh, we, we really want to support you in, in what you're doing. I mean – I think the absolute premise of this show is that we want to put America first. We want the changes that, that are necessary, you know, that benefits the American taxpayer, the the nuclear family and things like that. And you taking the time out to come down and lay it out here all for us. I really appreciate that. So we're going to wish you the happiest of uh, holiday seasons and Christmas. And for everyone that's not following you on social media or wants to continue to support your endeavor to be the RNC chair, where can they find you?
15: At P N J A B A N on social media and my campaign and contribution site is Dylan for RNC. That's D H I L L O N F O R R N C dot Thank you.
3: Oh, thank you. And uh, we'll live link those in the show description today, and we'll look at some point to have you back. This is the current candidate for the RNC chair, Harmit Dylan. Thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast.
15: You got it. Take care.
4: Thank you so much, Mr. President. Of course, thanks my partisan support. Thanks Congress, and and thanks from our just ordinary people to your ordinary people, Americans. I really appreciate. I think it's very difficult to, to understand what does it mean when we say appreciate, but, but you really have to, have to feel it. And thank you so much. Great honor to be here. And uh, yesterday I was on the bus. In Baku, that is the place on the east of our country. You know it. All the details. We had so many phone calls and spoke detail about it. And I want to give you something. One guy, he's really, real hero, real captain. And he asked me to pass his award. And he asked me to pass his award to President Biden. You will understand. He is the captain of Heimer's battery. Yes, he's very brave, and he said, Give it to a very brave president. And I want to give you that is the cross. Cross for military merit. That is one. Oh,
3: God, love you.
4: Yes, that is from.
3: <sighs> <laughs> what? That was uh, a portion of the fireside chat for everyone that's pretty much. Not living under a rock. Everybody knows that current Ukrainian president Vladimir Zelensky made his first tour stop in Washington, D.C. and played to a packed house up on Capitol Hill. But before that, he had a couple media opportunities with Joe Biden as he's become quite the opportunist. Um, What do you think, Noah? Uh, The optics of it were weird. Uh, him coming dressed in a sweatshirt, I, I I thought was pretty.
0: There are very many optics, mm-hmm. and uh, I brought my green neck for this event. Like you, you're gonna tell me this fucking guy. Everything that we're giving him, like nobody's gonna be like, hey, let's just take you to CNR real quick on mm-hmm. the way in. You know, like it's just it's it's packaging a fucking product. It's like I'm surprised they don't have fucking powder burns on him.
3: Mm, that would have been glorious. Yeah. Did you uh did you think his visit? the timing of it came at a time when they were trying to cover up for the omnibus. Yes. Even though there was $47 billion worth of Ukraine aid packed in there.
0: Well, the time for the omnibus is that time that keeps us together, but also apart from our money.
3: You know, uh, I did see a comment from, from Kamal Harris today. She actually put out a statement that said she doesn't think the media is giving her a fair shake on the caliber of her leadership. That's coming from the current border czar. (laughs) (laughs) That's a quote. Mm -hmm.
0: If you're going to be a border czar, your ass better be at the border. Often. Often. Like, fucking often. Like, you get some goddamn hip waders and, like, go dig some IDs out of the river. Do
3: something. She might be able to get a good border czar outfit recommendation from Zelensky, who looked like more of a border czar coming in uh, to talk to Joe Biden in a jumpsuit. So uh, they would go from the fireside chat to a closed-door lunch and then return for the state-visit type double-podium press conference. Perfect. At which point we're going to listen to an interpreter uh, talk about one of the most disturbing elements of this entire visit.
15: I can send messages to President Biden. For example, if it's not serious, you said, what's going to happen after patriots uh, are installed? After that, we will send another signal to President Biden that we would like to get more patriots.
4: <laughs> We're working. That is our life. We are in war. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Uh, that is my
3: appreciation.
0: That is his appreciation. Now- That's his appreciation, lifting a gift patriot in the mouth? Yes.
3: <laughs> patriot. Missile battery systems.
0: Wait, hold on. Those are the ones that nobody else is allowed to operate except for U.S. military, correct? Correct. So that means that we would 100% be putting our foot in the pond of global warfare with Russia.
3: And to utilize those in theater would mean we would be conducting hot operations versus Russia.
0: Yeah. Literally. That's not not what we want to do.
3: Patriot missile battery systems are not allowed per, per current regulations in the military to be operated by anyone other than the u.s armed forces that are designated to operating them uh we were one of the first who got out ahead of the narrative when this whole thing popped off in february that u.s forces have always been operating on the ground in ukraine obviously they're special forces and stuff like that that was later confirmed as we head into the spring but the fact of the matter is now Joe Biden has agreed to give Patriot missile systems to Ukraine at a time when we would literally be conducting wartime operations within the country against Russia. I don't know how much more of this Vladimir Putin is going to take before he has to kind of do something that we don't want to see. I would consider drastic. I don't know about you, Noah. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it, it's like, you know, getting getting very finite here in the amount of opportunity we have to... Uh, I, I, listen, there were no talks of peace. It's so funny. It's I,
0: not even an option at this point because the military-industrial complex is seeing... It's like a fucking cartoon where the dollar signs, yeah. like, take over the eyes. Yeah, alive and well.
3: Now, Noah, did you get to check out any of my latest sub-stack that I put out the other day? I started to read one of them, and then I got distracted. But, yeah, I mean, it was good so far. So I just put out the one that's... Th- The case for Zelensky justifies the case for Trump. Yeah. Every single thing that Zelensky has done throughout the entirety of his career almost mirrors Donald Trump's. They were both actors slash businessmen. Zelensky starred in a, a drama sitcom where... He was an actor who fell into the role of president after a Russian invasion of Ukraine and became a hero. So weird how that's played out. Well, you know, they do say art imitates life. True story, where Donald Trump would, you know... Life imitates art. ...be one of the best hosts on Saturday Night Live and make pretty damn good Pizza Hut commercials throughout the years, in addition (laughs) to The Apprentice and stuff like that. And he's a best-selling author and obviously a businessman. He built massive hotels and casinos. Um, But the fact of the matter is, if you look at how our own government looks at this puppet. You know, Donald Trump's always been accused of being a Russian asset. Vladimir Zelensky has been accused of being an asset of the intelligence community. Mm -hmm. Uh, They both obviously appreciate border security. Zelensky was here collecting his $47 billion pay up for his Eastern borders defenses, while Donald Trump had the government shut down on behalf of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer for an originally proposed five and then revised $3.5 billion for one measly border wall. So weird how that's played out. We wanted the rock star, and now we accept ones from other countries and completely have neglected and abused and discredited the one that we had here in Donald Trump. And that's kind of the premise for the sub stack that I just put out. Uh, Tucker Carlson would cut in to Zelensky's live performance up on Capitol Hill, addressing uh, Congressman there. And you could just tell how absolutely over this bullshit he is. Let's hear Tucker's lead in before we hear from the Ukrainian president.
17: Fox News coverage of President absolutely. Zelensky's address to the US Congress as the American border collapses completely Our Congress turns its fawning attention to the border of Ukraine and the man our Congress has been funding with your tax dollars. The prosecutor war, whose consequences may be much more profound than most Americans understand, is still going. That speech is expected to wrap up in just a minute. We think it's important to hear it. We'll be back when it's over.
3: And we would be back when it's over. We're going to hear a couple excerpts from there. First one was, you got to read between the lines and hear between the bullshit. I'm going to play it first and then, Noah, I'm sure you're going to pick up on it pretty quick.
4: And it gives me good reason to share with you our first first joint victory. What? We defeated Russia in the battle for minds of the world. Uh-oh. We have no fear, nor should anyone in the world have it. Ukraine gained this victory and it gives us courage which inspires the entire world.
3: We have defeated Russia in the battle for the minds of the world. I, I don't think so. No, I don't either. I mean, does anybody think that this country that's barely propped up on a hope and a dream right now has any chance in... in...
0: I mean, they're not even living on a prayer at this point.
3: No, they're not. One of the top three nuclear superpowers of the planet. <laughs> I hate it. Mm. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to be using our most reliable anti-missile defense system against said nuclear power uh, in theater in a country, which I still don't understand. I mean, I know it's like one of the biggest money laundering operations, not the Zelensky thing, the Ukraine before it was Ukraine. Everybody knows that people like Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Lindsey Graham, they all had their hands in there. They thought it was going to be, you know, the next big thing. But that's kind of where we're at. He would go on 81 years after Winston Churchill addressed Congress to uh, make some of the same comparisons to World War II. Let's hear this one. The Russians' tactic is
4: primitive. They burn down and destroy everything they see. They send thugs to the front lines. They send convicts to the war. They threw everything against us, similar to the other tyranny, which is in the Battle of the Bulge. Threw everything it had against the free world, just like the brave American soldiers which held their lines and fought back Hitler's forces during the Christmas of 1944. Brave Ukrainian soldiers are doing the same to Putin's forces this Christmas. Ukraine, Ukraine holds its lines and will never surrender.
3: Oh, so it's never ending, mm-hmm. ever. Funniest thing about this whole visit, there wasn't one, and I watched it cover to cover: MSNBC, CNN, and uh, CBS, ABC. Watched them all. Fox News, Newsmax. Listen to every podcast. Not one. Mention of negotiations, not one mention of peace. That's not even a thing anymore. He came here and in our howled Halls of the People's House talked about how we have to fund a war forever forever against an enemy who... Is it just a geopolitical non-ally of us? I don't really think Vladimir Putin is like uh, an enemy of the United States. He's not looking for the fall of the United States. They're not looking to manipulate the markets. How about the
0: bankruptcy of the United
3: States? Well, he's pretty much enjoying it after this omnibus bill just passed. Good job, uh, Congressional House Representatives, for wishing everybody a merry-fucked-mess.
17: Yeah. Asshole. It was a quiet one.
3: Um, But... Enough of this and enough of him. Let's hear some of the commentary. I mean, we all obviously saw the thing that I got locked out of my Twitter account for seven hours for yesterday. If you shared the image of either the Ukrainian ambassador to the U.N. saying we will never stop funding you, where he turned the American flag the colors of the Ukrainian one, or the still shot of Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris draping the Ukrainian flag over the edge of the the podium of the House of Representatives while everyone clapped like mindless fucking sheep the entire time. And I'm, I'm so glad for the ones that didn't listen. You're talking about the Jim Jordans, the Matt Gates, the Lauren Boberts, etc. cetera. Thank you for not standing up every time these assholes did. Thank you for the other ones. Tom Massey. You didn't even fucking show up to the event period. And then you posted about it. Mm. Thank you for having bigger balls than like literally 415 other members of the house of representatives and the entirety of our current piece of shit. Congress. It's just where we're at right now. And it's, it's one of these things that I, I don't understand what the benefits are of this other than lining our Congress peoples and our senators and our governors and our presidents and, and everyone that's involved pockets. Uh, Chuck Schumer doesn't understand some of the negative press that Zelensky's visit got and everything from him disgracing the halls of the people's house with his bullshit speech, comparing him literally to Winston Churchill, mm. all the way down to the fact that he came in like, Something that Noah wears to work out in when he goes and does his CrossFit class. Chuck Schumer was confused about all of this. Yeah, let's hear him.
11: Oh, I'm I'm just uh, befuddled by some of these right wing Republicans who don't want to help Ukraine. It's always been the harder right you were, the more anti-Soviet you were, the more anti-Russian you were, and all of a sudden they're pro. And I hope it's not a residue of Trump. Oh, Trump had God. a a relationship with Putin that was poisonous. For American security and if these folks are following me a war a huge with a mistake but that is not the majority of the Republicans as you saw we had a record amount of money for Ukraine
3: no real quick I just want to go back to some numbers from Donald Trump was president how many countries did Vladimir Putin invade when Donald Trump was president
0: uh, let me check my notes hold on
3: uh, zero okay how many Isis caliphates did we destroy in combination with Russia uh, when when Donald Trump was the president I actually don't know that one. How many? Is like at least one. All of them, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So th- the fact of the matter is, I, I listen. We are now literally funding Nazis to defend a border in a foreign country. But if you say you want to defend the border of your own countries, you are in fact the Nazis. That's the reality we live in right now. It's I in, can't It's insanity. Fucking believe it. So when you
0: when you look like, obviously the winner writes the history. Sure. But if any of this shit slips through the cracks and gets into the history books. Like this is going to be the most idiotic decade of life ever recorded.
3: Yeah. Just imagine this paragraph in between paragraphs that are up there with, I've run out of tests. So I don't know if if, if I'm sick. How do I know if I'm sick? I don't have any more tests. Right. And, and and, and all the way down to military generals
0: with dog fetish (laughs) masks on.
3: God, I wasn't <laughs> even thinking of that one. Even worse, what else I wasn't thinking for was there was a lot of stealing going on up on Capitol Hill when Zelensky was here. The one that uh, I noticed the most was... What, somebody stole the podium again? No, somebody stole a kiss from Nancy Pelosi. Oh, that was she, gross. She was still gushing about it the next day. Let's yeah. hear uh, the outgoing Speaker of the House. Don't ever say gushing with her. Again. What an honor
16: it was to have the flag that was presented to President oh. Zelensky by the troops. Oh. By the troops. Oh. And he... And they asked him to bring it to us to say thank you. Um, We don't have it here, but we're going to having it framed so you'll see it Mm. in the halls of Congress for a long time.
3: No, we won't. Because the first thing Donald Trump, when he won the presidency, and if he could secure the White House seat in 2024, did was remove all of that virtue single bullshit that was everywhere from Capitol Hill to the— halls of the White House. He he immediately had all that shit taken down, and uh, I hope he's willing to do so. Again, we let in with Tucker here. It's just completely annoyed that his show was going to get cut by 10 minutes for this jerk-off to come up here and get his $47 he must have been so mad. billion dollar check. He did take back to the show last night. Pretty weird to see everybody out of the office already for the Christmas break and, like, guest hosts everywhere, but Tucky was still there. He sat down with one of our favorites, the... Original firebrand, Matt Gates to give a little bit of uh, commentary on this. You know they were dunking all over the whole thing. Let's hear it. Matt Gates is one of the very few members of
17: Congress, as noted earlier, who didn't follow the rules and stand up and applaud like a seal as the foreign <laughs> leader in a sweatshirt lectured our country. He joins us now to explain his thought crime. Matt Gates, thanks so much for coming on. How did you... Now, I'm going to... You know what? I'm just going to channel Michael Beschloss here. First of all, how dare you, okay? When a foreign dictator shows up in the Congress on your knees... Okay, that's what Americans do. Second, I'm going to ask you, how much do you love Putin that you didn't applaud last night? Ooh.
18: <laughs> well, let's start with Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham has no problem sending $100 billion to Ukraine so that we can weigh in on which guy in a sweatsuit gets to rule Crimea. Mm. I mean, I feel no... Compunction to go out and applaud some foreign leader from a historically corrupt country who is begging for more than the $100 billion that the Congress has already set to send them. Now, when President Trump said that America would never be a socialist country, you saw Democrats sit on their hands. But when we say you shouldn't send endless amounts of money to this place where we are exacerbating death and conflict, it's like we're traitors to the movement because Lauren Boebert and i didn't stand up in some sort of north korea style performance and it really makes like you it. wonder what was all of this for i think that mitch mcconnell and nancy pelosi wanted to bring Zelensky there to the congress to provide air cover for an otherwise totally indefensible spending bill and yep. you could see why Zelensky was in for the grift he's got a lot riding on it 12.9 billion dollars in this bill to prop up the ukrainian economy three hundred million for ukrainian agriculture another three hundred million for ukrainian border patrol and in the same bill we are tying the hands of our own border patrol so ukraine gets economic development agriculture border patrol and we get racial equity mandates for us here at home so washington actually thinks that they should go to great lengths to keep ukraine whole while at the same time funding the balkanization and division within our own country and i'm not sorry that lauren bobert and i won't stand for it
17: no and by the way i have much more respect for maxine waters who i don't like and vehemently disagree with because she's a fellow american we're both citizens we both grew up here this guy has nothing to do with our country get what he can i get it i'm not even mad at him i'm mad at the people who instinctively bow before some uppity foreigner demanding money that we don't have, and they should be absolutely ashamed, and anyone who criticized you for acting like an American should be doubly ashamed, and that means you, Michael Beschloss, you crazy.
18: Well, crazy. Tucker, at least we found a flag the Democrats were willing to stand for on the floor of the wow. United States Congress. That exactly. was a revealing moment.
1: Exactly.
3: Wow. I appreciate your coming on. Congressman Matt Gates.
18: That's a mm. fucking
1: good point, though.
3: No, it certainly is. It certainly is. I mean, everybody saw... You're never going to see fucking Pelosi and a bunch of those assholes
0: draping an American flag over the counter and fucking gushing over it.
3: You saw the you saw fuck. did you see the next speaker of the house's outfit? Oh yeah, it's fucking st- mm. dude. If you're
0: ever a member of fucking government and you have some other nation's flag on your lapel, fuck
3: yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy times. He took the money and ran. Joe Biden gave his uh, holiday address and ran, and then all of the people who you wholeheartedly elected to office signed the omnibus bill and ran leading into where we're at now which is just an absolute mess in regards to the direction this country's going in there's only one aspect we haven't talked about and we'll touch on it a little bit before we do that we've got three big christmas present sized interviews coming up right now with some of our absolutely favorite guests Joining us next on the show today, he is MAGA's most interesting operative. He's one of our great friends and back on this Christmas edition of Steak for Breakfast. Mr. Vishborough, thanks for coming back on the show.
19: Uh, thanks for having me, guys. It's actually a wonderful uh, Christmas gift to join y'all here in the in the, in one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, I'm sitting here in uh, New York City right now. just got a notification saying that a state of emergency has been declared. Because a winter storm is coming, and I, I mean, I think all kinds of storms have been have been brewing these past couple of weeks, and uh, you know, we're interesting. We're in for an interesting, um, you know, upcoming couple of years. So I'm
3: excited, and we're excited to have you. If you want to talk about thunder and lightning, uh, you circle back to the New York Young Republicans Club gala that happened just a week and a half ago, and probably. Man, you guys have made such strides there in the last couple years. Uh, Membership is up. Donorship is up. The message is louder and being received better than ever before. Do you want to give our listenership a little overview on on what happened there? I mean, obviously we shared. You had some great talking points on all of our social medias right after it came out. I had to share the clip on everything because I just thought it was absolute fire. and, and, And the message that you're sending is one that sends you know, a, a direct shot towards all of those milk toast and lukewarm Republicans who were kind of like, man, this, this, this. yes, it's a fight, but I don't know if I want to get in it. I don't know how you cannot want to take your shirt off and run out in the street after you hear, you know, just about all of the speeches that went down at the club that night. But uh, how'd you see it going down?
19: Well, you know what? We obviously it takes us a lot of work to put these galas together, right? We're planning it for six months, eight months uh, ahead of time. And, uh, you know, we we got our guests, Jack Posobiec, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, towards the end, we announced Donald Trump Jr. And, you know, it's an all-star lineup of MAGA, but it's not just any all-star lineup. Like, these are fighters, these are people who are unafraid to join the fight and be in the fight, right? And so we all, you know, in 2020 when we had the forbidden gala we didn't we definitely didn't kind of plan for all the exposure and the international coverage that it got after but for this gala i can assure you that pretty much everything was by design and that includes the the thematics and messaging that not just everyone in the room picked up that night but the mainstream media and that message was clear and simple total war Right. And we and, and Gavin Wax, our president, his speech was geared towards that. Nathan Berger, our vice president, his speech was geared towards that. My speech, obviously, no surprises, geared towards that. Uh, and then our headlining guests had, uh, you know, had not disappointed. Um, Jack Posobiec was there up there talking about the spiritual war. Uh, And then um, Donald Trump Jr. just went up there and started dunking on all sorts of Democrats, started dunking on Hunter Biden. He was doing the fight right in front of us. Um, What a great gift he gave us that night. And then the capstone event of Marjorie Taylor Greene with a microphone in her hand. Uh, She starts, you know, uh, she was really excited to be in New York City and we were happy to have her. Our audience loved her. And she gives us the line of the night. Right, with every speaker coming up talking about war, 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 and then MTG about 20 minutes in says, "If Bannon and I had organized J6, we would have won and we would have been armed." Now, we actually, we when when we took the first look at our guest list, we did notice Michael Hayden and uh, Hannah Gase of um, the Southern Poverty Law Center and and. Uh, um, hate watch had purchased early bird tickets i don't know i don't know if uh, if uh spl and hate watch has the funds uh to buy vip but they, they they bought early bird general admission tickets we knew that we invited them they stayed there for the entire night and they were the only really rabid leftist operatives in the room that night and they saw all this and uh they lost their minds yeah. wrote up that crazy uh, splc expose and they thought that they had they got one over on us when in fact no they're the one little birdie you know at the end of the tai long escape scene from <laughs> kung fu panda where tai long grabs the bird by the neck and says let them know the real dragon warrior's coming and lets them go Right. That's the role that they played. And we were fine and happy to have them until they agitated Jack Posobiec, one of our headliners and honorees that night um, at, at the end of the event. And which is when I had to go physically remove Michael Hayden and Hannah Gase from my event. And now Michael Hayden is all over the mainstream media, printing everywhere that he can, that Vishbura had physically removed him from the gala. And so, honestly, I th- I had a great night. I went up there talking about war, listened to some of my favorite MAGA people, you know, speak to my cl- to the club membership, and then on, to top it all off, I got to liter- literally physically remove communists from the <laughs> premises. So it was a fantastic night. The mainstream media is losing their mind, and they know that they have a problem in New York now. Right in New York City, the MAGA movement's not only big, but it's bright, and it's loud, and it's ready to fight. And that is the message that we're sending to the nation and to the world.
3: Oh, you're correct in that assumption. I think there are some people from the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center who are still trying to figure out who at Newsweek hired Josh Hammer, as he pointed out on our show last <laughs> week. He had quite a fun time trolling those guys with you as well before... You know, like you said, you puffed it up and uh, removed those guys from the gala. War was definitely the theme of the night. I, I mean, one of the lines from your speech in general to acts of war, we shall answer with acts of war. I thought was extremely powerful. Definitely got a rise out of the room. And, it, and it's where we're looking moving forward. You talk about places like New York. This has grown into such a, a shining light in a in, in dark place right now that, that, you know, death and despair and, and lack of hope is, is common in New York. And you guys have shown not only the resilience, but the opportunity to lead from the front in, in, you know, making places like New York City great again, having a conservative message that resonates with the people that lives there. And it's what I want to touch on you next. You guys have done such a job at the club. Expansion is definitely something that's, that's you know, you guys are hitting the benchmarks on now consistently. What happens as we head into this next election cycle? We have places like New York and California, and the demographics there showed strong showings in the midterm elections. They have some laws in place that allow the Republicans to change up the way that they vote, early voting, ballot harvesting, where it's legal, etc. And then different demographics, cross tabs, uh, you know, across the, the uh, polling markers where we could start bringing people into a, a bigger tent of this Republican Party and uh, really rack up some numbers moving forward, but it's going to take a lot of work. And it looks like if one place is ready to do it, it's you guys over at the club. So what's the plan moving forward after we hit the holidays here and heading into the uh, general election season? So
19: obviously if it, it, 2023, 2024, these are the years for the presidential election, the 2024 presidential. It's the next biggest contest uh, right out the gate. The most immediate thing that we need to build out uh, during 2023. And this is the building out year. Uh, is infrastructure. Now we can circle back on that and, and uh, towards the end of the show and talk about the infrastructure and what needs to be built. Sure. Uh, but sure. Uh, but uh, what's important is actually the new demographics that we've identified uh, over these um, pra- these these exercises in in the midterms and twenty in the twenty twenties um, is that we have new demographics that are interested in voting Republican, namely uh Hispanics and Asian Americans. And so we need to start building out our infrastructure to start reaching those demographics whether that's through the air through content or on the ground with community outreach. We at the New York Young Republican Club, we have a uh Asian caucus that's focused on just those efforts. And myself and a couple and uh, another member of the of the Asian caucus there Joyce Wu we were recently on Vice Vice News of all, all places to go and do a panel on Asian Americans. Vice News is, you know, no, no secret, no shock, a leftist outlet. But they invited us. Uh they needed Asians of different uh perspectives. And so they got me as a as an Indian Hindu American and Joyce as a Taiwanese uh, uh American and brought us on and we went and did it and sat amongst, you know, many leftists and argued our points, but it was necessary because there's a whole, whole audience out there of Asian Americans who likely agree with us who don't watch anything else but Vice and you know all the normie stations. So you need to go to onto these platforms and these these opposition battlefields and just show. And explain and and defend your values, and you don't know who that might convert or who that might end up bringing onto your side. But you have to try. You have to to actually go there and show up uh, and and defend your your beliefs and, and 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 everything else that that you stand for. And so you know we we w- were ready to do that. We did that, and we have to continue to do stuff like that, especially in the Hispanic and Asian communities.
3: Yeah, I saw that. Uh, It was actually an incredible watch to see you go in there and navigate through I mean, there were, listen, it wasn't a, a room full of MAGA, to say the least, and uh, you did your best job at doing exactly what it is you are, and that's uh, being a model American. I pulled a small clip from it. Let's uh, let our listenership hear this. I
19: don't, I don't understand why everybody's so hurt about like being described as a model minority. For me, it's like, well, I want to be the best. I want to be the smartest. I want to be the toughest. The model minority thing, I've never thought about it because I'm too focused on trying to be a model American.
3: And the first thing I said when I listened to that, I'm sitting in my car because I watched it from top to bottom. I was like, based. It's <laughs> just classic fish right there. You see everybody's eyes, brows go up, and then the, the moderator kind of does a little bit of a chuckle. But the fact of the matter is is, is that's the truth. People might not necessarily agree with all of your politics, but you, you, you have been a model American and, and quite the operative for MAGA, you know, over the course of the last half decade. And uh, it's one of the biggest reasons why you're at the forefront leading a lot of the successes we're having getting ready to move forward. Um, moving towards those that election cycle coming up here, you, you, you talked about the cross-tabulations, the demographics people were bringing in there. What are some of the other things that you see, maybe even some of the things the club might be working on to continue this inclusion, to have the same kind of successes we had in New York City back in the midterm elections here in 2022, and uh, moving forward, making it so where we could pick up more House seats, where we could support the Republican candidate for president, and uh, we can win some big time offices here, including, you know, getting the presidency back in 2024.
19: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, with, with the expansion of the, the, the map essentially in terms of demographics with some new Asian Americans and Hispanic Americans who are coming to our side, you're seeing a lot of those effects in blue States like New York, like California, which have large amounts of Asian American populations and Hispanic populations. Right. And so, Immediately you have to think about how are we going to continue to uh, penetrate those communities with our message and then be able to produce and construct and deliver the votes out of those uh, constituencies uh, and and demographics that that we have broken into. So that should definitely be a focus. Now in turn now, just grand strategy, what is next for the movement? What do we have to do? 2023 and 2024 are going to be some of the biggest years of your life lives folks anyone listening in this audience needs to understand that 2024 once the clock strikes midnight on 2024 you are in for it okay and so you have to be ready with everything you have and so here's what i will tell you 2023 should be a year that you focus on building infrastructure. You have to build the big gun. You have one year to do it. Until the clock strikes midnight on 2024, your time's up once that happens. Build the big gun for 2020, all through 2023. Build the infrastructure that you're going to use in 2024 because once 2024 comes, all you're doing is pumping bullets into the big gun and firing nonstop until the clock runs out on the election. That is what needs to happen. And so whatever way that those who are listening in this audience can contribute by creating some kind of weapon to, and you know, it's say political warfare, political weapon, cultural warfare, cultural weapon, right? A show, a podcast, an organization, a voter registration initiative, a ballot harvesting or ballot collection or construction initiative, whatever you can do, whatever you can, if you can't create it, go join a team that's doing it. And whatever it is, get in there, start building out your knowledge on what needs to be done for 2024, build the infrastructure of what needs to be, uh, what's needed for 2024. And then when 2024 happens, you roll. You execute the plan maniacally. That's what needs to happen. You can't sit there in 2024 and think of brand vision. You have to think about it now and build out the grand vision to execute in 2024 because they are coming. They it's one, To secure the seat, you saw what they did in oh, yeah. 2020. So to keep the seat, you have to think about what they're willing to do. And so... There is no let up, go out there, build the plan, build the infrastructure in 2023 and 2024 fire. That's it, total war.
3: Oh, and it's a message that's going to resonate throughout the rest of this holiday season and right into the new year. I completely agree with you there. There's a lot of work to be done, but we have some excellent leaders at the forefront like yourself, everyone at the club, Gavin, who's a regular guest on this show, and all the others who are participating. I mean, I saw Alex Brucewitz talk. He, he's coming in uh, next up on Steak for Breakfast. And, uh, you know, we we just have to remain focused. We have to get tough, and we have to, you know, just put our heads down and get ready to go to work. Everybody needs to, hopefully, they ask Santa for a lunch pail this year because everybody's going to be clocking in once that like you said, clock strikes midnight heading into 2023 and then 2024. Fish, just to end right now, you're always working on some big stuff, and you're always got your hand involved in anything, whether it's for the club or yourself personally. What are some of the things you're going to be doing besides joining us again on Steak for Breakfast in the new year?
19: So there, 2023. Um, w- let's just say that um, recently, I've, I've been in discussions to do to get everything that I do under one roof. And so whether that's the club, whether that's content, whether that's operations, you name it. And so, uh, those are all the things that we need to be able to, um, expand and, and, and to be able to affect the 2024 election in, in a meaningful way. So number one thing is we're going, the, the, the club myself, we are going to get into heavy, uh, content, um, infrastructure investment and expansion and deployment you're going to see a lot more content mega content coming out of new york new york city whether it's the club whether it's me whether it's gavin um there's going to be a massive upgrade in the content operation uh another thing that we're going to be doing is we're also going to be figuring out how we can franchise and bottle up this energy and get you know at least focus on the top 10 cities in the united states and get you know and and how teach teach those folks those young activists there how to to go from zero to hero in terms of creating organizations that can have an impact in big cities in blue states the places that people have forgotten and abandoned right especially our own party and especially our own apparatus we you know there there's a a need to spread the word on how to fight in a way that matters in and, and places that have, that are, you know, uh, Leviathan or Goliath in in size and scope of, in terms of taking them down. So that's another thing that we're gonna be doing. And then finally, you know, it's just all about expanding, building your war band and and marshaling your resources. That is That's what everybody should be doing in 2023 figuring out what they have, build out, invest in what they need. And in 2024, there's no thinking, there's only doing. Okay. And so that is what everybody needs to be prepared for.
3: Oh, I, I love it. And and listen, you guys have gone and you've done the work in a place like New York city absolutely had had, had massive, massive successes there. I know that the work that you guys want to eventually accomplish has literally just begun, but if, we, if you're just looking from the outside in and you want to know more about this, go check out the social medias. Go check out the New York Young Republicans Club. See the amazing works that are going on there, which is what I want to point last. We're going to link the club in the show description today, Vish, but where can we find you on social media?
19: You can find me on Twitter at Vish Burra, V-I-S-H-B-U-R-R-A. Find me on Truth Social at Vish. Find me on Getter at Vish Burra. Make sure to follow the club at NYYRC on Twitter, on Getter, on Truth Social, Uh, Go to our website, sign up for the newsletter at NYYRC.com. And please, please, if you can donate, you can get us anything that, um, you know, to support our mission. We'll take a dollar. We'll take five dollars. We'll take whatever you whatever you got. But we are fighting the war actively and we appreciate any contributions that you can make. So go to NYYRC.com slash donate uh, to hit us
3: up. Uh, you, you got it right there, and we'll live link those in the show description as well. This is Maga's most interesting operative, very based. wishing you the best holiday season, Merry Christmas. Vishbur. Thanks for coming back on the show.
7: Thanks, guys. Merry Christmas. And I would like to thank Gavin Wax, Vishbo, and the entire New York young Republicans for remembering who gave birth to this movement. And thank you for endorsing President Donald J. Trump for reelection. You know, it's, it's very easy to turn your backs on Donald Trump right now. He's under investigation, life's, you know, his, his life's kind of going through a lot. And there's a lot of rich people, Ken Griffin, Chinese money, that's offering people to turn their backs on President Trump. And it would be very easy for Gavin to go say, yes, sir, I'll take your money. But he's not going to do it because he understands that Donald J. Trump is the only person that can get our country back on track and can finish the job of draining the swap.
3: All right, coming in here with us now, he's the uh, CEO of X Strategies. He is an unwavering supporter of President Trump and is ready for his 2024 campaign. Joining us next on the show, Alex Brustowicz, thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. Absolutely. It's always great to be on with you guys. It's great to have you. Listen, I, I watched all the speeches from the New York Young Republicans Club gala not too long ago. It was an amazing event. That place is blowing up and really becoming a mainstay in the conservative, Republican, America First movement. I think out of all the speeches there, yours was one of my absolute favorites, and it's because you don't mind going out there and reminding everybody of why we're here not of all the bad stuff that's going on in this country but the good stuff that we enjoyed under the first Trump presidency regardless of all the hard times that he had to go through and all of the false narratives and fake stories that they made up about him the constant you know harassment that he's going under now as private citizen and now candidate Trump again and and It's We don't have enough of you in this movement. Everybody wants to look at the new shiny thing. Oh, look, there's some obscure poll that says Ron DeSantis is winning by 17 points. Those are also the same polls that told us Carrie Lake was up by a dozen points the day before the Arizona elections, and look at the mess that's going on there. Now, welcome to the show. What can you tell us about your motivation behind that speaking uh, event you had at the New York Young Republicans Club? What was the basis for your speech there?
6: Well, uh, it sounded a little choppy because – I didn't prepare that speech at all. I had a different, I had some different remarks prepared. Uh, but when I arrived at the event, I saw some faces in the crowd and I saw some people uh, in the crowd that I felt like needed to hear that message. I think the New York Young Republicans Club uh, did a really great job of bringing together some leaders of the conservative movement, some really great patriots who are still loyal to President Trump. But when I arrived at the event, I saw some folks who, used president trump to build their names to build their followings uh and, and make a ton of money doing so and now they're all in for Ron de and so that speech was totally off the cuff and directed at certain people in the audience and they absolutely know who they are
3: oh you you point them out and we point them out on the show all the time the DeSantis bros they are uh growing in numbers because they want the next shiniest thing. They want MAGA without MAGA. They want America first without Donald Trump. And when you associate those two phrases, they just don't work. Anything minus Donald Trump from the American first movement from the 2024 presidential election cycle means you're getting someone who's lying to you. That's just going to go and represent the establishment in Washington, DC. Do you agree with that?
6: hundred uh, percent. There is no mega movement without Donald Trump. And, uh, I'll just say this. The, the vast majority of mega supporters will not settle for anybody but President Trump. Agreed. They're especially not going to settle for some uh, cheap off-brand version of him. Uh, and it's just not going to happen because the voters aren't going to be tricked. The voters pay attention. They, they didn't get out to vote for the Senate and because they knew if Mitch McConnell remained the Senate leader, nothing was going to change. And we just saw that with the omnibus vote. And so, uh, you know, these these voters – they're only Republican voters because of Donald Trump. If Donald Trump is not associated or affiliated with the Republican Party anymore, they're not going to turn out to vote. And they're not going to just turn out to vote you know, because President Trump asked them to. They're only going to turn out if President Trump is at the top of the ticket and because they know that he's the only person that will fight for them and drain the
3: swamp. Sure. And, and and that's that's just the fact of the matter. Donald Trump has actual receipts, the, the countless amount of things he was successful with in his presidential campaign. We've seen how quickly they've unraveled since he's been out of office. We're talking geopolitics, the Afghan withdrawal, currently what's going on between Ukraine and Russia, which is one of the biggest now embarrassments in the history of our country after that debacle up on Capitol Hill the other day. You're talking about the economy, energy, non-independence, and the U.S. southern border is at the top of the charts everywhere. Look at the disaster that this current regime has caused down there. I think a lot of that stems towards the uh, current establishment leadership within the Beltway. We're talking about the RNC chairwoman, uh, the prospectus Speaker of the House, and then Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, who I know is one of your absolute favorite all-time politicians. You've never railed on him Any of the times you've been on this show, uh, you've actually crushed him every single time you've come on. And uh, it looks like you mentioned it already. The omnibus is is most likely going to pass and and give all this money to Ukraine, take a whole bunch of money away from the Border Patrol and, and send our economy if it's not already in a recession. We on this show believe and has reported that it already is, but deeper into a recession into the next year. Top to bottom, what is, what is your uh, grades for the leadership currently in the Beltway and what are some of the things we need to do to change? We had Harmeet Dillon on at the top of our show today. She gave her plea to a Steak for Breakfast listenership and uh, made a pretty good case for some of the things we need to change. But everybody doesn't feel exactly the same way about everyone that's running for the chairmanship right now. So what do you think? Well,
6: I love Harmeet Dillon. Uh, I hired Harmeet Dillon when uh, Steve Schmidt, uh, the creepy weirdo who co-founded the (laughs) Lincoln project. He threatened to sue me because I called him a pedophile protector. Uh, and so I was like, okay, tough guy. You want to fight? I got Harmeet Dillon. Let's dance. And, uh, Harmeet Dillon sent him a very strong letter and Steve backed down and then went on some sabbatical in his, in some guy's basement in Utah for a few months. Uh, never heard from the guy again. And so Harmeet's a winner. She fights, uh, I know that Mike Lindell's also in the race. And if you see any of the polls, uh, you know, Harmit and Mike Lindell are both crushing, uh, uh, you know, uh, Rada Romney in, in all the respective polls when you actually ask the people and not the 168 that can easily be manipulated. Yep. Uh, and so if it was up to the people, Rada Romney would be gone. Unfortunately, Uh, It's not up to the people. It's up to the 168 people who uh, think the world of themselves. And so they're going to make the decision uh, not based on what they think is best for the party, but what's based uh, on what's best for themselves. So we'll see what happens on that. I think Carmeet would be an absolute uh, upgrade. Lindell would be an upgrade. Anybody would be an upgrade over uh, this current leadership over there. Uh, But at the end of the day, a lot of what's going to happen in in the Beltway, it's going to stem from the Senate. And Mitch McConnell, he's is a disgrace to our nation. Uh, and all of his enablers uh, should be ashamed of themselves uh, and are also complete and total disgraces. He's got this midget consultant named Josh Holmes, who I think is a total punk. He gets paid big money from the Senate Leadership Fund and the Senate Leadership Fund got paid millions of dollars by FTX. And so I took to Twitter. and I asked this midget Holmes. I said, sir, are you going to return the money to SLF uh, because they got. Money from FTX, and uh, he doesn't respond anymore. He just has a stupid podcast called Ruthless that gets like no viewership <laughs> or listenership, yeah. and uh, he likes to talk crap about me on there. But he can kiss my ass. All of these people in DC, they hate our country, and they're leading to the destruction of our country. Uh, and we really need uh, an outsider like President Trump in there to to give us a fighting chance.
3: No, you're 100% correct. I mean, whatever's going on in the House is going to happen. I do think because we took power back in the House, a lot of people, you know, we remind our listenership as much as we can. This is going to be the fourth times that Republicans have held the House of Representatives in the majority in the last pretty much 100 years. Uh, it's been several times since the mid-'90s. This is the third since then. But the, but the fact of the matter is we're acting spoiled with it, and so is the current leadership that's there. I do think that some of the growing pains that they're going through, not just handing the gavel over to who everybody thinks, you know, should have it it without making a lot of concessions for, you know, the moderate constituents, the House Freedom Caucus, and some of the real patriots in the House of Representatives is, is something that's normal. It's the way businesses go. And I mean, you're a businessman, Alex, you know, you don't just go in there and, and give somebody the best deal possible without some kind of negotiations to make sure you're going to be okay as well. And I think that, you know, the House of Representatives right now, the the internal battle that's going on there for the speakership is all part of the growth process that we need to go through and growing pains are never easy as far as down to the senate mitch mcconnell is probably the biggest embarrassment in the history of senatorial politics that's my opinion i'm pretty sure it's yours he tanked any of mike lee's uh, amendments to the omnibus bill that looks like it's going to pass you know uh for anything in in regards to border safety and, and just hands out money i mean the earmarks in there are ridiculous we're getting like an ob- michelle obama trail a nancy pelosi building and a ukraine friendship park in washington dc can't beat those because <laughs> those are really important to the american people um but, but what's going on on the border right now and looking down you know we had tom holman on the show earlier this week he said there's five million people coming in that we're probably going to apprehend at the minimum next year i don't think people understand what what a number like that looks like and how overworked everybody is when it comes to this omnibus bill and some of the garbage that's put in there and how easily it was able to pass through the Senate. What are your feelings on that? And what does it say heading into uh, the 2024 cycle where some of these seats are going to be up for reelection?
6: Yeah, the, the omnibus bill, all of the people that voted for it, 18, there are some surprising people. I thought Tom Cotton was pretty surprising uh, who voted for it. But all of the Republicans that voted for it should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, it's a terrible bill for our country, $2 trillion, not a single conservative win in the bill. It funds all of these woke anti-American pet projects. It sends four hundred and ten million dollars to Middle Eastern countries to secure our border or secure their borders. It has zero dollars in it to secure our border. Another forty-seven billion dollars in aid to Ukraine. We, meanwhile, we have twenty million American households that can't afford uh, to pay their utility bills, and now we have this once-in-a-generation cold front that's hitting our country. These people are losing are without heat. And we're more concerned about Ukrainians and their well-being than the American people. It's disgusting and it's wrong. And I hope every single Republican that voted for this bill loses their seat either in a primary or in a general election because the people won't turn out to vote for them. And that's what happens. The the voters are sick of these rhinos because they know the rhinos are worse than the Democrats because the Democrats are at least honest with who they are. And so uh, but I want to touch on the, the speaker race a little bit Go ahead. Uh, because McCarthy, I think he did the right thing when he said that there's going to be absolutely uh, no bills at the Senate. If they pass this, every bill that the Senate sends to the House will be dead on arrival. And that's a great approach. And that's coming from the Freedom Caucus members who are pushing McCarthy. And I think that's good. I think that that's healthy. I think the fight is is uh, really good for the country. And I love Matt Gates. I love Marjorie Taylor Green. There's some, you know, uh, family fighting right now. But ultimately, I know that they both want what's best for our country. Uh, And Kevin has been doing some uh, really good thing. And I like what I like the policy positions that he rolled out. We want to investigate Hunter Biden. We want to investigate uh, DOJ. We want to investigate what's happening at the border. He wants to turn every committee into an oversight committee. And ultimately, if he if he's not the speaker, OK, but what we can't have happen is we can't have people like Steve Scalise become the speaker because Steve Scalise is significantly worse yep. than anybody else. People don't people don't pay attention to that. Steve Scalise was all for amnesty. He he in, he remained supporting of Liz Cheney during the primary election. He did not work uh, to oust her. While even Kevin McCarthy and Elise Stefanik, two people that you wouldn't even think about, they were pushing for Harriet Hagman against Liz Cheney. Meanwhile, Steve Scalise is totally out of it. Uh, McCarthy just released a report showing that Nancy Pelosi was solely responsible for the failures of security at the Capitol on January the 6th. Correct. And Steve Scalise says nothing about that. And so if there's this idea that we're going to get rid of McCarthy and then Scalise is going to be better, that's a foolish idea and a total lie. I would much rather 10 times out of 10 have McCarthy as speaker than Steve Scalise.
3: Oh, I agree with you there. Like I think at the end of the day, we wish we had better options, but the fact of the matter is we had at least two years to work on this. We didn't take care of it We're where we're at, and a new Congress is getting sworn in on January 3rd, so we have to work with what we've got. At least Kevin McCarthy looks like he's willing to uh, make some of these concessions. I'm sure closer to the inauguration date, we're going to see some more of these concessions be made. As a businessman, Alex, you wouldn't have just taken like the long list of demands that the House Freedom Caucus gave you if you were in Kevin McCarthy's shoes and immediately Uh, made them all parts of the next Congress, because then it gives leeway for everybody to kind of pile on. And then you're looking at special interests. You're looking at who is building coalitions and alliances. I think Kevin McCarthy waiting until closer to the deadline to make some of these amendments for next year's Congress is a smart move. It's a business move. And, you know, just leads into the fact that uh, it's what has to happen right now.
6: Yeah. well I want to credit Matt Gates, Lauren Bobert a lot of these freedom caucus members for leading this fight because yes. this fight is going to have important wins and we're already seeing it and I don't think McCarthy's begrudgingly doing them I think he you know when the freedom caucus comes in and presents these ideas he's like actually that makes sense and so he's supporting it there's one that's really big that I think that McCarthy has to do it's called motion to vacate the chair yep if he mess if he messes up a speaker, there is a process in which the Congress can remove them. But historically speaking, it's the process where you can just really have one member of Congress that says, you know, the speaker is bad. Let's bring it to the floor and vote on it. I think that's kind of silly. I think there should be a threshold of, say, 50 members that have to come together and say, this is you know, this is a uh, failure of leadership. We want you gone. I don't think it should be able to be just one member. So I think there should be some concessions made on the the motion to vacate the chair. I think the Freedom Caucus leadership can come together on that. But what's important is that we do not get a speaker like Steve Scalise or somebody worse. Um, And so at the end of the day, uh, we have a really great conference that's coming up with some really great members of congress that got elected this year Anna paulina luna max miller Corey yeah. mills list goes on that's adding to marjorie adding to matt gates troy Nels, ronnie jackson we have a really good conference that are going to have positions of leadership on different committees that are going gonna to be able to do what we want them to do the speakers kind of like whatever but at the we we cannot have a speaker like Steve Scully. So I can just promise
3: you that. No, I, we agree with you there. And you mentioned some of those incoming freshmen uh, house representatives, all three of the ones you mentioned are steak for breakfast enjoyers guests on the show. And uh, we're all looking forward to having them back after they're sworn in for the 118th Congress come January. Alex, it's been great sitting down with you today. We know it's busy during this holiday week. You're obviously in the middle of like uh, one of the biggest winter freezes and, in, in, you know, uh, recorded history right now and uh, we want to be able to direct everyone who's not already following you because they need to you drew a new line in the sand and reminded everybody just what mag is all about the new york young republican club uh not too long ago and for those who aren't tracking you already uh we want to be able to direct them to find you on social media so where can we check you out
6: uh at alex brusewitz b-r-u-e-s-e-w-i-t-z on every social media platform and uh follow me if you love this country
3: yeah, and you certainly do. As much as we do here on Steak for Breakfast, we'll look forward to having you back in the new year. We wish you a happy holiday season and Merry Christmas, and uh, thanks for taking time to come out during this busy week and join us on the show today. Absolutely. Merry Christmas to you guys. God bless you all. The CEO of X-Strategies, Alice Bruce, thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. All right, take care, guys. Joining us next on the show today at a Christmas edition of Steak for Breakfast. He works in tech policy at the Heritage Foundation, one of our great friends. Definitely best dressed on steak for breakfast. Jake Denton, thanks for coming back on with us. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. How's
20: everything going with you? I hope you're having a good holiday season. Things are going great. You know, back in Washington State where it's very snowy and, uh, you know, the Twitter files keep coming. So staying busy and uh, trying to keep this content going.
3: Yeah, we're definitely going to get into Twitter in just a bit. But I did want to start off with something that you've been uh, talking to me about offline over the last couple of weeks, and it's that A lot of people go out there and profess that we're heading towards a social credit system. You've talked about it on the show with us before. We may already in some aspects be there. You want to elaborate a little bit
20: on some of the stuff that you've been talking about regarding that? Yeah. I mean, this is kind of uh, coming to us in very different forms across our economy, across our government. Uh, We're seeing the social credit system uh, essentially come out of thin air. Now we had a story uh, just a couple of days ago of a, a mother taking her daughter to radio city music hall And a facial ID recognition software recognizes that she works at a law firm suing the landlord of Radio City Music Hall and she's promptly kicked out of the venue. Uh, This isn't because, you know, she's being outlandish or any uh, kind of bad behavior. It's because she simply works at a building that, you know, this other company doesn't like. And so Uh, I think, you know, we're going to start to see this happen very quickly. Uh, It was just announced that France is going to be using very similar software for monitoring the Olympics. Uh, So, you know, if you're a person that the French government or maybe the Olympics doesn't like and you're walking around the grounds, it's very likely that the software is going to grab you and kick you out. Um, And so as this approaches, I think it's really highlighting the need for a a digital bill of rights that, you know, President Trump so... uh, basically rightly presented to us through uh, his campaign announcement. Um, So hopefully we get some movement here on kind of protecting against this, but it's coming quick and there's about nothing we can do right now to avoid it.
3: Yeah. I did see that story about what happened with uh, the woman who was taking her daughter and some friends to go see the Rockettes and, uh, A lot of people are already using this technology and might have their information shared, maybe without their knowing, and that's in regards to just regular travel, right? I did hear somebody on Fox News yesterday, he was talking about how he's given, like, uh, his ability for facial recognition or retina scan, something like that. This kind of falls into the same category, right? You don't know what third parties might be able to get their hands on it, either legally or, or maybe illegally, and then used against you when you try to just go somewhere that you would normally think you'd be able to go into, Correct. Yeah,
20: that's absolutely correct. And I don't think people realize that, you know, your biometric data is being pulled every single day when you walk past a CCTV camera, they're uploading and selling that footage to basically double bank on you, right? You're coming into their store, you're buying a product, and then they're also selling your facial recognition data to, you know, third-party vendors that are enhancing algorithms that basically create the software. And so, you know, when you go to the airport, you're not expecting that those TSA cameras all around are pulling your face, but it's exactly what's happening. Uh, we've even started to see airlines where you can check in through facial recognition software, and it poses the question: Where did they get that scan? Right? I mean, it's happening so quickly, and you know, no one is really putting up a fight. And you know, whether it is the the Rocket Show or just you know a grocery store chain, right? Maybe uh, Jeff Bezos doesn't like your criticism of Amazon on Twitter, and now you can no longer go into Whole Foods. Is this has happened extremely quick and you know no one's really stepping up to the plate right now to protect us
3: no they certainly are and it's it seems like you know as you were one of the people who was out early and often on tiktok uh you know we're we're seeing that there's just another thing that you're trying to get ahead of on the curve and it's really good that you've been putting out information on that now we saw some stuff on capitol hill regarding tiktok this week what are what are some of the things that you've been seeing that are a positive move in the right direction for at least the federal government in regards to the uh Well, the Chinese backed application.
20: Yeah, so it's been a bit of a mess of a news cycle recently. We saw Mike Gallagher put out a bill uh, that basically bans TikTok federally, right? On every device, you know, consumers to government employees across the board. Um, And then in the wake of that, Josh Hawley puts a bill forward uh, that bans it on federal devices. So these are your government employees, right? These people who have, you know, work phones. And for some reason, they've been allowed to download TikTok on their work phone anyways, right? Like, why are government employees on any social media on their work phone? Uh, But nevertheless, right, they have this uh, on their devices. And we just saw it pass uh, through the Senate, uh, this kind of federal ban. So now we'll no longer have government employees. But... As we just saw from Forbes, they just put out a story that TikTok was surveilling specific Forbes journalists uh, who have been, you know, kind of bringing the heat on TikTok. Um, So those are consumers, right? Those aren't federal employees. Those are journalists who are, you know, basically of the same social status that we are. And, you know, they've been having their data pulled. So why are we still at risk here? Why aren't our lawmakers stepping up to the plate? I think it really highlights the need for uh, Congressman Gallagher's bill to pass as well.
3: Yeah, I certainly think it does, and hopefully when we get into the new year with a Republican majority in the House, we could see some of that stuff uh, being discussed more and, and hopefully we move towards a plausible solution. It's not one that we need to just be sitting on for a number of years. We know President Trump brought it up in his presidency, wasn't able to get it finished, but it seemed like some of the ones you also you, – you just mentioned Rep. Gallagher and then Senator Hawley, they've been really at the forefront of this whole thing and, and are trying to uh, – you know, make it safer for for people to be able to uh, be online and and be on apps. But when it comes to things like TikTok, the the manipulation and and the, the data gathering that the CCP can do just based off of it alone should be a huge red flag and it should have been something that's been taken care of a long time ago. Jake, moving, moving on. We, we saw Elon Musk, the Twitter files continue to come out. I mean, it's gotten so big and it doesn't seem like there's any federal agency, especially the ones in the law enforcement and the Justice Department who weren't involved in some kind of manipulation, whether it be paid, unpaid, people have, who have separated from federal agencies and jumped right over to the tech sector. Uh, what are some of the things that you've seen over the last week or so that have been the most surprising?
20: Yeah, I think the the biggest thing coming from the Twitter file story is the FBI statement, right? Because it wasn't an apology. It wasn't an acknowledgement of fault. They basically came out and said, we do this with everybody. I don't know why you guys are freaking out so much. And we just kind of brushed over that, right? There was maybe a couple of Twitter posts that were like, Ah, uh, this is a little concerning. Why is the FBI basically trying to just oh, this is what we do with everybody, right? That's their statement. Um, so I think that is a a big thing here because it highlights uh, the need for a broader investigation into Silicon Valley and these tech companies yep. in the days following the kind of revelation that you know the senior most levels of Twitter are occupied by former agents of the intelligence community. We've seen that Meta is exactly the same. Google, Amazon, all of these corporations. Are being staffed in their senior positions with you know, people from the FBI, the CIA. Um, and so why is that happening? You know, are they still operating in you know, their government capacity in these corporations? Are they sending information back to Langley or you know, Quantico? Uh, these are all things we need to get answers to. Uh, they directly implicate not only our election process, but just our ability to exist in general, right? If uh, these tech companies are occupied with federal agents, and they're banning you from speaking on the platform. Who's to say that they don't tinker with this facial recognition software that lets you into any given venue. And so we have a snowball effect going on right now where, you know, every job opening is starting to be filled by federal agents. And then it, the tech just continues to expand in our lives. Um, so just further vindication here for the need from president Trump for a, a digital bill of rights, he's hit the nail on the head. Um, and I think uh, it's, well overdue Uh, this is just getting out of control no it certainly is and the fact of the matter is do you think this is something that has
3: become more common just over the last half decade or does it look like as this kind of starts to spider web out we saw Facebook and Instagram obviously Twitter have really rise to prominence in the tech field uh, you know over the last decade or so is this something that's probably been going on for a long time and we just didn't realize the, the level of manipulation I mean some of the Twitter files age show that like you know the Department of Defense and DOD is just as deeply entrenched in places like Twitter as, as people from the FBI were and that's highly alarming because you talk about you know elements of the CIA and stuff in there people who literally from our government go to other countries and manipulate elections overthrow governments are now controlling like the narrative and the algorithm on social media platforms it's that's just crazy to me
0: wait did you say overthrow governments oops
20: <laughs> so I think you know the the interesting thing to consider here is that in a truly free market this would be a very daunting task for any government right even a, someone at the scale of ours because there'd just be too many companies for them to go occupy the seats of but what we've seen is as the market is consolidated and only a few companies reign over our lives right Amazon Google Facebook, Uh, We have this basically easy path for these intelligence agencies to go in and occupy seats of, you know, great importance and that shape our lives. And so, you know, if we had a ton of competing social media companies, this wouldn't be a problem. If we had, you know, a great deal of competition left in the market, we would be safe. But instead, we have essentially a few companies um, and, you know, there's no movement on antitrust. People are sitting on their hands. And so across the board, we're just left vulnerable to abuse from not only our own government, but bad actors internationally. You know, During the uh, Twitter investigation when uh, Mudge came forward, we saw foreign actors were in Twitter. You don't think they're in these other companies too? So I mean, we're just left in jeopardy here um, and no one seems to care. No, they don't. And uh, it, it's, it's
3: something that I hope we get to the bottom of. And it's like when Donald Trump put out... Uh, one of his statements regarding all of this this week, he said one of the first things he's going to do on president is put a, an amount of time that when you separate from your job as a federal employee, regardless of what context it is, a Justice Department, law enforcement, IRS agent, whatever, there's going to be a period of a his first calling is for seven years of cooling off before you could just jump into the big tech sector and then see where it goes from there. I think that's great. Last thing I want to touch with you on, we did see some developments on something we talked about last time you were on the show, FTX. We kind of touched on it a little bit. We saw yesterday uh, SBF was uh, in New York, and uh, he was released on, it was like a huge, supposedly the biggest bond in the history of bonds, but we come to find out that his parents kind of just didn't even have to put any money down. They just kind of gave their houses as collateral, and now he's walking free again, uh, enjoying his Christmas after screwing over, I don't know, billions and billions of dollars worth of people's money uh, when his company collapsed. We saw people like his girlfriend and supposedly one of his uh, counterparts in the the company, Gary Wang, have flipped and started talking about a lot of the illegalities that he knew and was freely operating on. Just from like a tech standpoint and where this sets the, the precedent moving forward into regulating some of these companies, these investment firms, these crypto companies and stuff like this, Do you think he's going to be the person that sets the standard or do you think he's not going to get in trouble to the level or the degree of someone like, let's say, a Bernie Madoff or what he did? This
20: case really is just a gift presented straight to Elizabeth Warren and all these kind of folks who are looking to basically push crypto out of the the system. They want this current paradigm where they're able to debank you to exist. They don't want you to have crypto alternatives. And so this, you know, perfect present was presented to them just in time after the election cycle uh, that shows that the crypto sector is, you know, not regulated enough that, look, you know, people still have their money stolen. And so I think there's really no way that we we see this case just disappear. I think it's already disappeared from the news cycle, right? Yeah. You know, no yeah. one is really talking about it, uh, but it's at the top of everyone's legislative priorities now to basically regulate this into oblivion. And so uh, we'll, we'll basically see this advance, in my opinion, in this direction where, uh, you know, no one talks about it, but they'll regulate this to the point where it's not basically accessible to consumers. Uh, you know, these institutional guys will still benefit from the technology. Uh, but if you're someone who's controversial and is debanked and needs crypto as an alternative, uh, they're basically going to drop the hammer on this to a degree where you probably won't be able to use crypto. You'll just be off of the financial institutions, you know. Um, and so it's very troubling. Um, I, d- I don't see a path out of this where crypto really survives in the the way that it was, you know, trending towards. We are sure. heading towards, you know, essentially a Web3 era. Yeah. And this could easily derail it. Yeah.
3: Lots of stuff happening, and, and we'll be talking with you after the new year uh, about some of the developments that we we discussed today, and more, I'm sure, as this news cycle just can't calm down even this close to Christmas, we're, we're seeing right now that you know they're just passing the uh, omnibus bill up on Capitol Hill so everybody can get the heck out of there and go on Christmas break, much to the screwance of the American people. But good information you brought us as always, Jake. We're going to live link uh, your page for the Heritage Foundation
20: in the show description today, but where are we looking to find you on social media? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at real, the letter J Denton. And then on true social at real, at at just Jake Denton, no real. Uh, Got just the the name there. So uh, yeah, check me out. Uh, I'm going to be posting through the holidays. And we'll be tracking as we always do. I'll
3: be watching on Fox Business later today. This is someone who's just up to his elbows in tech policy, the Heritage Foundation, one of our great friends, Jake Denton. Thanks for coming back on the show. Have a happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, and Merry Christmas.
12: Again, we, we've deployed up to 10,000 of them. Uh, the only reason why it would not be more, you've got to understand this also, uh, and that is there are some who retire every single month. Uh, some who are- No, I, uh, I get it. Re- but, but, but why don't, service, why not, but why why don't you say I'm the governor of Texas. more every single We're month. the greatest
17: state in America. Every Texan I know, including relatives of mine, they all think Texas is the best. You're the governor. Why don't you just say any person with military and law enforcement experience, can join up. We are starting our own force. It's volunteer or just go to Midland, Dallas and Houston and get your donors to fund it. They would. I'd send you money. Everyone send you money. And we're going to stop this on behalf of the state of Texas and the United States. You could do that. Biden people would back down in the face of that determination.
12: Why not? Uh, Tucker, actually, we, we onboard uh, new members every single month. We, we do go through both that recruiting process as well as people signing up. They onboard, they go through the training process, they get ready for deployment, and then we deploy them. So we are constantly involved uh, in adding to uh, those who can serve us on the border. And they get special training that is different what they have to do in the state of Texas compared to what they may do in Afghanistan.
17: Do you see this as a hair-on-fire emergency that's more important than anything they would have done in Afghanistan or Ukraine or any other country around the world? Mm-hmm. Do you think this is the most important thing those guys should be could be so- doing?
12: Tucker, I have made that point to the United States Congress, uh, asking for more resources so that we can better defend our border, knowing that the federal government is not defending our border. The only people capable of doing it uh, would be Texas. And what is Texas getting? Nothing Nothing. from the federal government. People would send you money if you started
17: up a voluntary fund. Send Greg Abbott money. People would put you in their wills. I mean, you'd probably be president of the United States if you did that. I'm serious. If you took control and closed the border, which you can do, you would be a folk hero sung about by future generations around the campfire. <laughs> I, I I just think it's that simple. Texas once again takes a stand against an invasion. It's not the first time you've done it. So t-
3: t- Tucker, do it let- what do you think, Noah? I mean, we, we don't not like Texas Governor Greg Agabit. We know he's very. He
0: needs the drag his balls out and, you know, take him around the yard a couple more times, though.
3: It's true. I just want to remind you, I I don't know how that would necessarily work because he's in a wheelchair.
0: You can have a trailer. You
3: don't want to run over your own balls. You can have a trailer. Like the Randy Marsh wheelbarrow? Yeah. I like that. He has been very reactionary in a lot of the stuff that he's done. There is no more reacting to the disaster on the southern border. It's here, and it's not going away anytime soon. As a matter of fact, heading into... 2023 in just a few weeks here, it's going to get a lot worse. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was Tucker Carlson holding his feet to the fire. Uh, not like he would feel it, but the fact of the matter is is that he needs to do more. I did see this week, you know, I believe Texas is the only place that has taken the uh, shipping containers and made their own version of the water, uh, U.S. southern border wall there. The Biden administration is suing them for that in federal court. And uh, I also saw that uh, the El Paso sector last night was, uh, they had the National Guard down there and they were lining the American side of the canal uh, with, with razor wire. So people can't just keep coming in in the unmitigated uh, way that they have been. Um, we also heard when we talked to uh, Tom Holman earlier this week that they're planning on, you know, just telling everyone on the Mexican side you're not coming in at any of these places anymore that are completely overran, and they're going to be directing people towards the Laredo sector now and closing down some of the bridges that American citizens use to go back and forth in between the United States and Mexico to process migrants. Perfect. Well, I
0: mean, what, nobody should be coming anymore. Didn't didn't uh, DHS, didn't they uh, put out a a post on Twitter that said, don't come? Was that their Christmas message? A Christmas message, yeah. What does it say? <laughs> I mean, it it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, my favorite part about it was reading all the comments, though. The comments were the best part of it. There were some heaters in there? It, well, I mean, normally when you see something like that, you would assume that... It's truthful? That, that, no, you're going to assume that there's a there's probably a few people that are going to be on your team that are commenting. Right. There's literally nobody commenting anything positive, except for like... One person that was confused. Are, are you talking about the Canadian border? Are we still allowed to cross? Like that person was just an idiot. But DHS Gov's Instagram the US borders are not, not mm. with an underline open. Do not come to the border. Do not put your life at risk, only to be sent back. And then there's like a South Park looking uh, image of
3: like a border crossing with a stop sign. Oh, nice.
0: It's <laughs> The only thing missing is somebody throwing Cartman in there.
3: Yeah, there you go. I'm sure we could – well, I, we'll have to find the Border <laughs> Patrol clip from that one for, for a future show because that's a great episode. Yeah. Um, no, but the fact of the matter is here – oh, my – there's been so much – listen, if they ever wanted you to not think about the southern border, the omnibus bill and Zelensky's visit to the United States was just the – warm apple cider and Christmas cookies edition of bullshit that this government rolls out that you needed this week, but we're going to give you a little bit of taste as we're getting ready to round out the show and head into our Christmas breaks here. Let's hear Texas house representative chip Roy talking exactly about this issue the omnibus, the border and more. Let's hear him. At what Democrats are doing and using them for political purposes. But I have to say one thing about my Republican colleagues. With the
17: Omni coming this week, mm. we've been running on this being the Biden border, uh, uh, Biden border crisis. Okay. This is the McConnell Republican uh, border crisis. If we give them more money
3: this week without demanding that they secure the border and do more bloated spending and giving DHS money with a blank check.
15: To the point on the on the. What fund- do you think
3: about that? Do you think the the football is passed from the mess that the Biden administration starts to? Allowing the Biden administration to continue to facilitate this disaster, Noah. If Mitch McConnell is the probably one of the you know better gatekeepers uh, in in the U.S. Senate and just allows this to pass like it has,
0: I don't know. I can't even I can't even think with these fucking people anymore. Like I just don't understand. What... I got distracted. I was actually reading comments
3: about <laughs> I'd be laughing <laughs> about too. the Instagram. But what benefit does anyone have? Except like for the replacement theory and the future Democrat voters then to do this right now. Yeah. You have Border Patrol agents and, and all affiliated agencies committing suicide, getting sick, dying, being murdered. Two have died in what you could call murder over the course of the last month at the Border Patrol. No one talks about it. No. We're one of the only places that you've heard it. And, uh, you know, Tom Holman was great to point that out on our show earlier in the week. I saw him jump on Fox News last night, and he was being pretty spicy as always. So let's let's hear the former director of ICE.
13: So I'll say this. Any Republican that votes for that bill, any Republican that went down to the border and did a dog and pony show and comes back to Congress and signs that knowing there's no money to secure that border, there's only money to bring more people in and to process them in and to release them into the United States. Yep. They shouldn't be representing us in Congress. You can't have both sides. I'll say it again. How many Americans have to die of fentanyl overdoses? How many migrants have to die? How many women need to be sexually assaulted by the cartels? Mm. How many women and children need to be sex trafficked across the U.S. border, which are at record numbers now of women and children being trafficked for sexual purposes across the border? At what point do the congressmen, Republican or Democrat, independent, say enough's enough?
3: Obviously, it wasn't today, Mm-mm. and it and it certainly won't be until September of 2023 when we can negotiate budget appropriations for the Department of Homeland Security again. Congratulations, congressional losers! Yeah, Awful. Um, yeah. Someone who's usually a brighter note on our show and uh, everyone's favorite national treasure does understand the importance and the significance of the crisis down on the U.S. southern border right now. We're talking about Senator John Kennedy. He actually weighed in yesterday as this bill was unfortunately voted, approved, and passed down to the House. Let's hear him talk about his uh, ongoing stance on the border.
1: I mean, uh, harder and harder not to conclude that the border crisis is intentional. I like that. I mean, nobody is this incompetent, right? Mm. Uh, the Biden administration's position on uh, Title Forty Two, um, on the Remain in Mexico program, on efforts to uh, to come up with a definition of what refugee status means—that looks like somebody designed it on purpose. Sure does. N- n- none, none, none of the president's positions on this make any sense to me. On, uh, un- on, unless I view it from the per- perspective of, well, maybe he wants this to happen.
3: Do you, Do you think that's the end game? There, Noah. Do you think that's the point that this is all, this is all by design?
0: I hope not. I mean, you would really hope that we're not just trying to sabotage ourselves into the fucking. Dark ages again, Mm
3: -hmm. but here we are. Yeah. I mean, when you just look at the optics, I want everybody to remember this. We don't mention this enough on the show. I just want to remind everybody of this because we don't talk about it enough on the show. Alejandro Mayorkas' mother was a European refugee who claimed asylum in Cuba. Alejandro Mayorkas was born in Cuba before they got on a little boat and came over to the United States. Alejandro Mayorkas signed executive paperwork not too long ago that we will be flighting people who come in to claim asylum from Cuba back to Cuba because of how they vote. Now, obviously how they vote isn't in the policy, but there's no other way to explain it. To explain it. You're talking about a Cuban born son of a Cuban refugee is sending Cubans back to Cuba to die for being Cuban. For being Cuban and probably voting Republican when they come here while everyone else watches what is going on in the U.S. southern border now. And whether or not you want to believe it's as bad as it is, we read that Harvard poll last week. 68% of Americans didn't believe how many people have come into this country since the Biden administration took over. Once they were told the actual numbers, including getaways, over 70% of Democrats wanted stricter border enforcement. Weird. So weird. And in our last audio clip of the day, as we're getting ready to... Leave out our milk and cookies for Santa Claus. Before the bill was passed today in the House of Representatives, probable Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, mm. made a plea about border safety and the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill. Let's hear him. Oh, and behold,
8: even the DHS came out and said, tried to deny the facts, but now we know it's a record setting number. How many people on the terrorist watch list coming into this country is too much for you? How many? How many before they act again? But if you don't want to do that, we now have, ca- have caught enough fentanyl in the last year to kill every single American. Is it every single one of your cities. If you listen to the people, and you stop playing politics, they'll tell you to stop it. There's enough now to kill 10 times over every single American.
3: Yeah. Those are the big numbers that we hear. Listen, it's, it's, it's too out of control right now to even start to wrap your brain around like the possible terrorists who have gotten into this country, but it's only not ignorant to assume that many have gotten in here over the course of the last two years of the Biden administration and their absolutely reckless stance on the U S Southern border. You have the borders are never been there. Mm. doesn't do anything. You have Alejandro Mayorkas. He goes down there. He gets shit on by the rank and file. So you want to know what he does? He goes down to the golden triangle and tries to negotiate with the NGOs to make the trip from wherever the fuck these people are coming from up to Mexico and into the United States more easily and enjoyable. The only things that he appropriated for in the budget for DHS is to renovate facilities so we could process people faster and they could watch the fucking world cup in air conditioner and on direct TV while they're doing it. And the fact of the matter is, You've seen the best of examples as we're getting ready to head into Christmas right now, how your federal government from top to bottom and every Republican involved, no matter how much they want a virtue single, no matter how much they want to say they're putting their foot down, no matter how much they want to pass blame onto everybody else has failed you resoundingly again. And this is something that we won't be able to touch on besides congressional investigations, besides inquiries into DHS and to the Biden administration until September of next year. So congratulations to everyone that worked so hard on passing this omnibus bill. Like some said, it's the better of two evils. At least we get to keep the lights on. Mm. Yeah, and that's exactly where we're at as we're getting ready to wrap here. So uh, what can you say other than uh, we want to wish everybody on the show All of our listenership, whether you're new, whether you've been with us since the garage days, for all the places that we're going to get ready to take you guys on with us in our continuing adventure on Steak for Breakfast the next year, we want to wish you guys all the merriest of Christmases. We'll be back next week and be doing some shows before our New Year's Eve Eve 200th edition of Steak for Breakfast, which is turning into a star-studded event. So, damn, exactly. We want to wish everybody safe travels, spend time with your loved ones. If you can, at least give them a call really be thankful for the things that you're thankful for in addition to us and our pod team and our families and all our jobs actual ones not the podcast that we're thankful for we're thankful for all of you all the friends that we've made along the way and how this show has been able to touch and educate so many different lives out there christmas edition of the podcast achieved what do you think noah outstanding we definitely gave some uh of our listenership a lot to stuff their stockings with in regards to politics and regards to great guest content if you enjoyed this show and want to hear the other 197 editions of the steak for breakfast podcast you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform or on itunes spotify podbean pod at google podcast fm player iHeartRadio, the patriot podcast network on the roku app or even on frank speech subscribe to the show and rate it leave a review. And don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to all of our amazing guests today. We had on Platinum Country recording artist, Alexis Wilkins, awesome to hear her Christmas song. Current RNC chair candidate, Harmy Dillon. Her platform definitely made me feel more optimistic about her candidacy. Absolute Firebrands, Vish Burra and Alex Brusiewicz. And tech policy expert, at the Heritage Foundation, Jake Denton. Friends, don't forget to go out and throw some of your hard-earned cash during this holiday season at all of our partners, because when you do that, it only helps make small American businesses great again, namely My Pillow. Everybody likes Mike Lindell. You're not getting the pillows before Christmas. But anyways, the gifts you get from My Pillow that you can share with your friends and family are the gifts that keep on giving the entire year round. So enter promo code Stake at checkout here. You're going to get big time savings during the holiday season up to 80% off my pillow merchandise. If you want the coffee, 25% off a regular order, 50% off when you subscribe. MyPillow.com forward slash steak is the website for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, mystore.com forward slash steak, or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the best damn headphones that I've ever owned can only be found at Odyssey. If you're serious about doing stuff in the studio, you're recording podcasts, you're like Alexis Wilkins and you're recording platinum singles. You want the Odyssey headphones, find them at odyssey.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. My Patriot cigars. Everybody loves our good friend, Alan. He's given you 25% off during this holiday season. All orders over hundred bucks, free shipping, $10 e-gift card included with every purchase. When you enter promo code Stay here, mypatriotcigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom, loving patriots Stay Ready Gear holsters? Hmm. The Omnibus bill is too big to fit on one. Hmm. How about Santa Steaks? Yeah. If you want our Santa Steaks edition of Mr. Steaks on a concealed carry codex holster, you can send it to Stay Ready Gear. They'll get your order out faster than ever before. StayReadyGear.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs! You know, in addition to our traditional Italian lasagna that I'm making on Christmas... We're going to be having a little prime rib, so I think we're going to man-rub the outside of it up and make a little bit of what I like to call crust. Mm. Should be delicious. ManRubs.com is the website there. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has a pretty simple equation for all your gun-related needs, firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. The newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is WestCoastSurvivalArms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger. You can call on the telephone to 619 870 6992. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. You're going to like everything they've got in their store. You're going to love their Instagram just a little bit more. Mediocremedic.com is the website there. And last but certainly not least, you missed out on the Christmas Zero Fuckstuck, but new ones will be coming as soon as the first of the year. You still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us is the website. Find him on Instagram. Find him on Facebook. Upcoming shows, we're just starting to fill up January let's jump into it I don't have anybody scheduled for Tuesday and if it's just going to be the three of us I'm completely fine with that because next Friday is our 200th show Cash Patel Raheem Kassam Mike Crispy Christina Bob will all be here Alan Jacoby is guest hosting who knows who else is going to jump in between now and then on the 6th of January Ambassador Rick Rennell will be joining us we're gonna be getting a report live from the southern border on the 10th of January. Jorge Ventura will be here, so will Christina Bob. I've already got feelers out. Devin Nunes will be back, Cash Patel will be back, Liz Harrington will be back, as well as all of our other friends. Christina Bob's coming in on the 24th as well. We'll probably see her on War Room that day talking about apparatuses and whatnot because it's the day her book's launched, but we've invited her for the book launch on our show as well. Friends of the week, Got my list here of who's been naughty and who's been nice. This is the nice list. Our true social Twitch streamer crew, Beastie Man 420, Siberian Kitten, CSM Master, to name a few. Indiana Zoomer would me and then never said anything. Some <laughs> call me Tim79 has been sharing a ton of our content. We appreciate that. Some of our other social media application friends, Ghost Hammer, William S, Spoopy. Calvin Coolidge Project gets another one. The Upside Down Man, to say the least. And then some of our meme team spectacular memers that came out they were just crushing it during the Zelensky visit one of them is the uh, cover for our newest Substack. Machiavelli memes John Hacker LA Sanchez memes Madam America American Manta Let's Go Brenda Dumbass Photoshop That Southern Dude Bright Wing Savages 2.0 Trad West The Real Smoke Ahontas, Mostly Peaceful memes and Grand Old Memes Guys things to remember between now and Tuesday number one do your own research number two start a podcast Not bad. It was kind of busy, but not bad.
0: Well, I don't have to work tonight, so.
3: I like it. Number three, let's start talking about American Greatness again. All five of our guests today talked about American Greatness. We don't talk about it enough. It's time to start talking about it again. And last, but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 198 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Heading close to 200, 199 will be coming in on Tuesday. No one's scheduled yet, but I can only assume that someone will be here. On behalf of the pod team... I'm Ron. Noah later. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas. Safe travels and take care.
16: What's wrong? Honey? (laughs) It's bigger than you expected? (laughs) (laughs) Smaller? (laughs) What is
7: it? It's a a one-year
13: membership in the Jelly of the Month Club. Oh, God. Clark, it's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. That it is, Edward. That it is indeed.
16: I'm sorry,
20: Clark.
7: This isn't the biggest bag over the head, punch in the face I ever got. God damn it! Son.
6: Looking for any last
7: minute gift ideas for me? I have one. I like Frank Shirley, my boss, right here tonight. I want him brought from his happy holiday
17: slumber over there on Melody Park. Lane with all the other rich people. And I want him brought right here with a
6: big ribbon on his head. And I want to look him straight in the eye and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four flushing, low life, snake licking, dirt eating, inbred, overstuffed, <laughs> ignorant, blood. Sucky dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is! Hallelujah!
10: Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol?